Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. So uh, papers actually talk about wind. They call it a Halloween severe wind and rain warning for festive uh, weekend. I suppose people would be pretty much confined to barracks for a lot of it anyway, but uh, still in all, do, just be aware of it. A lot of wind. Uh, Michal Martin makes the front of the echo today. Far too early to make uh, the Christmas call. As to what he's actually saying is that uh, it's too early to say whether or not lockdown restrictions will be lifted earlier or not, or even as to what type of Christmas we would have when we come out of this in five weeks' time, if we come out of it in five weeks' time. Uh, so that's uh, kind of depressing, but what can you do? We're in the middle of what we are. Of course, the Chamber of Commerce and indeed the Cork Business Association would like, a cl- would like clarity. But politicians and medics are saying you can't say it's too early but certainly we do know is that there's going to be a continued ban on selling baby clothes and there's going to be no change there um, it's it's turning the whole thing into a bit of a farce now really isn't it uh, with regards to what you can and can't buy and where you can and can't go they seem to be making it up on the fly but the headline in this morning's examiner is ban on selling baby clothing to stay meanwhile the mail is saying that uh, the you know the middle aisle retailers are shutting the much loved middle aisles when you go in for a pint of meat and you, milk and you come home with a tent or a pair of skis uh, or climbing boots or um, you know an entire interior of a shed so that's Lidl and Aldi's famous middle aisles usually offering shoppers anything they want from uh, tracksuits to cupcake makers the one damn thing sure about it is you didn't go in to buy it in the first place. Well, those aisles are closed off and we'll continue to do so for some time. Um, we started out with the gel and sanitizers. Now, apparently, there are dozens of different products that there's a recall on uh, with regards to our schools. You would think that somebody who was making those, <coughs> those orders, you know, would be checking the ingredients of them. So now it seems as if there's dozens and dozens of different products in our schools with, uh, with uh, you know, with regards to covid uh, that are lethal or at least dangerous and hazardous. One thing that's deemed to be hazardous for your health is going into a church to hear Mass. You can go in for a bit of private prayer and reflection, but Mass. You want Mass now? you got to have it online. So that's the story that's uh, continuing uh, to dominate many of the papers. The Irish Times this morning says, no change to level five res- restrictions on public worship, including Mass, following a meeting between the Taoiseach and the Archbishops. Uh, they didn't get, uh, well, I suppose they got a hearing but they didn't get the answer that they were looking for. And, of course, awful tragedy in our little country over the past few days. Two small little children found dead with their mother. They were, forgive me for saying this at this hour of the morning, but they were they were all strangled. Um, and uh, their autopsies will, will confirm that that is how they died. Mother and two little children all, str- all strangled. And the papers this morning say words fall short, considering the shock and the sadness that so many people are, are feeling. Uh, Seema Banu at the age of 37 and her two little children, uh, Asif Asfia um, at the age of 11 and her six-year-old brother Faizan Syed were discovered with their mam. Um, they've been strangled. So that uh, is a, a story that, of course, followed on after the devastating tragedy from uh, Kanturk. Um, uh, the, the, the only thing I can say is that no words will ever describe how awful that story is, um, and much of it isn't even broadcastable at this time, but it seems as if funeral arrangements now, according to the papers this morning, will be separate. Like the Mail says this morning, divided in life and divided in death. And the Mirror picks up on the story and says that the first requiem mass um, for uh, Dermot and Tig, who will be buried together, will be in St. Mary's Church in Castle, Ma- Castle Magnar, um, and then they will be uh, buried at the nearby St. Bridges Cemetery. Meanwhile, 
the burial of elder brother Mark will take place at an undisclosed location. So that's why they're saying divided in life and divided in death. In other news then this morning, Judge Shona Donovan had a, had a go at politicians yesterday, and rightly so. Uh, before him was a, a guy who um, was up on drugs charges. But the judge said, and this is a story from the Echo, he said, people who supply testim- testimonials, some of them serving politicians, it should really have more sense. The testimonials in this case were handed in to the sentencing judge and not read publicly. Uh, the names of the politicians or others who are giving character evidence were not disclosed. Now, if they'd been read out, I suppose, we know we would know who the politician or politicians are. They were making character references for people involved in, in using or distributing drugs, drugs. But because they weren't, we don't know. Perhaps we'll never know. I mean, he finds it astonishing, so do I, that they're still doing this in spite of the fact that it's got so many politicians into trouble in the past. And then there's the story also from the court courts, again before Judge Shona Donovan, of a 23-year-old son who beat his mother about the head with a poker up in North Cork. If that wasn't enough for you, there's also the story from the same court, from the same judge, of another fellow who got uh, four years jail in respect of two incidents, uh, which were violent, gratuitous and cowardly. Um, an attack on a 77-year-old man and a 64-year-old man by a much, much younger man who's going to do time for it. And if that's not enough, from the same courts, uh, another article in the Echo today where a homeless man walked into a travel agent's uh, moments after it had opened for the day's business. Uh, Imagine turning up for work and this is the first customer you get in. And the woman behind the counter was, was told by this guy, I have a knife here, I don't want to use it. Uh, 44-year-old Andrew Foley, with his own issues actually, uh, living out of the Cork Simon community, pleaded guilty to carrying uh, an, out an attempted robbery with a knife. He snatched a purse also from outside the table of a pub on Parnell Place. Uh, desperate people going to desperate means. Um, and Tom, Tommy Gould makes the echo today. Uh, may we'll come back to this. I don't know whether I'll get to today, but certainly next week. This dial-a-drink service that's available, apparently... People advertise it up on Facebook and social media. If you're short a drink or you need need drink for a house party or a field party, you call this number and dial a drink will bring you the booze wherever you are. Apparently, these services are absolutely flourishing during lockdown. The Neil Prenderville Show. Halloween is right. Uh, the weekend ahead of us. And apparently somebody was sent to me by text. There isn't a pumpkin to be got. So if anybody knows where they are, if you spotted them or if people got a supply in, would you let us know? Text 0868104106 for people need pumpkins and they're all sold out. So it'd be good to hear. Ask parents to abide by the rules this year for Halloween. Entertain your kids in your own home. I, for one, if anybody calls, won't be opening my front door to anyone, says she. Morning, what's wrong with doing what we've been asked to do for Halloween? I have two kids who would love nothing more than to have a normal Halloween and to go trick-or-treating and spend time with their family. This year, uh, I will explain to my kids that it's not possible to do what we normally will do. So, I will set up a table at home with a mixture of sweets, jellies, popcorn. Bait the sugar into them, girl. Bait it into them with a stick. Uh, And we'll plan some fun games like bobbing apples, musical statues, and musical chairs. Happy days. We'll play Halloween music, and our kids will be dressed up. I'm sure the kids will be delighted to have a fun party night at home with mum and dad. Have a fun Halloween afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon. 
uh, with Foley. He's on the air tomorrow afternoon. I'll dig out some more details. He's doing a big Halloween show here on Red tomorrow afternoon. Um, and the kids will be entertained. My wife is making a treasure hunt with clues around the house and goodies at each hiding place. We're all dressing up for them. Our two boys, Leo and Henry, are very excited. Wouldn't it be great if you could work into the game some way of the kids going around the house tidying up while they're hunting for Halloween treats, huh? What do you think? Try and work on that one. And we've got spooky stories on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, so a lot of this morning will be Halloween spooktaculars and the better stories will for themselves one of our great gifts. We have uh, takeaway food vouchers for the Cork International Hotel. We have vouchers for Azure jewellery. We also have two sets of Azure jewellery, which is the bracelet and the earrings and uh, things like that. We have over 100 Oak Fire Pizza vouchers for hot piping pizza. We have brunch for two and afternoon tea for two uh, for the Met. We have a free food Friday going on as well, which I'll tell you more about the, a little later on this morning. And we have these wonderful meat hamper boxes from Tom Durkin Meats. And we'll give those away as well this morning. And you can order directly for delivery or collection from tomdurkinmeats.ie or pop in to the English market. So all of that with Halloween in mind. So enough of me. Let's get stuck in. Sherry Fay, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy nearly Halloween. <laughs> you sound quite spooky to me. <laughs> hey, thanks very much. <laughs> anyway, you deliver it well. Um, you wow. lived over in a very old area of the city, over the I Sextant did. Bar, am I right? I did, I did, I did. God, happy days. Was that a long time ago or when? It was. I'd say it was probably from 2001 to 2004. Yeah. Upstairs, were they converted to apartments? Was it? Well, converted is one word for it for sure. <laughs> we were on the first floor, myself and my boyfriend at the time, and a friend of ours as well, Peter and Owen. Mm-hmm. And talk to me about living there. What was it like? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends if you want to talk about daytime or nighttime, because day and night were two completely different boxes of frogs in that place. In what know? way? In what way? Well, well. It was very old, as you know, the building. Yeah. Very, very old. And uh, if you came in the front door, you had all broken kind of tiling. And the building, you see, was subsiding. So doors would never stay open. They'd swing open or they'd swing shut. You know what I mean? And uh, our particular apartment that we lived in, so if you came in the front door, yeah, you had your front room or your lounge to the left, yeah. Then you got the bathroom on the right and you're looking down a very, very long corridor, yeah. Now there were cracks in the walls, the ceilings were really high, so you couldn't even get a ladder to change a light bulb, they were that high, you know. Uh, fascinating place to live, fascinating. Yeah, but, but in, need, in, need of, in need of a serious renovation. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, yeah, I know. I mean, we had great times there. We had great times. And the two of the guys that lived there with me were both musicians. Uh, so one of them is a traditional Irish music player. And the other guy played in a death metal band. <laughs> the two extremes. Two yeah. extremes. And there you were with them. Were they as crippled with fear as you were living there? I don't think so. Like, we all had we all had a bit of the, the fear, all right, but I think it affected me more than the other two guys, you know. In what Maybe. way? Well, it's hard to describe, but I'll do my best. So, the energy 
this negative energy started building up both at the time. Yeah. While I was living there and while we were living there, should I say, and started off with lights flickering, things turning on and off, uh, noises going on in other parts of the the uh, other rooms that nobody was in, stuff like that. And we turned to each other and say, did you just, did you just hear that? That's just, well, you know, this type of thing. So this started building up. Now, you weren't putting this down to dodgy electrics or old mm-hmm. pipes or heating. And you know the way mm-hmm. when your heating system comes on, there's yeah. a, some yeah. parts of it grown and you can hear differently. That's it. That's it. And we did, Neil. We actually did at the start. Although the happenings, if you want to call them, they just became far too frequent, you know where we stopped kind of second-guessing ourselves and we realised this was actually happening in the house. So, one night, the two guys are out of band practice, yeah? Mm. <clears throat> and I, I was just, I was there in the apartment by myself, probably watching a movie or something like that, you know? And the energy, the energy at this point now was so strong and it was so oppressive. It was there, it was almost like someone was in the room with you, you know? Are you with me? Yeah, it's a sense you got, is it? A sense, a sense so strong that it almost turned into a physical matter, if you catch my drift. Now, I need to describe the apartment to you so that you can understand and picture yourself as to what it was like, yeah? Yeah. So, I'm on the couch. I'm saying, okay, I am crippled with fear. I'm sitting on the couch and I have to go down to the bedroom, which is in the lower part of the landing, okay? Yeah. So I eventually get myself up off the couch and I'm in the hallway. Long, 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 narrow, old hallway. And then there's a glass door, an old cracked, ideally like you'd find in your granny's kitchen or something like that. And then beyond that door again was the three bedrooms. Yeah. So anyway... I get out to the hall and I'm just saying, okay, Cherry, okay, girl, come on, just man up here now and just make your way down the hall, you know, make your way down the hall. So I'm trying to run, but I'm so scared because this energy is just all around me. And as I'm walking down the hall, I feel two hands, two large hands. I've told people about this, two large hands on the back, on my back, on each one of my shoulder blades. And I could feel the weight of it shoving me down the hallway. Can you imagine that? So, Just, But you could actually feel the two I, hands. I could feel it. I could feel it. I could feel hands. So much so that I could envisage the size of them. Were you being pushed by these hands? I was being pushed down the hallway. And the strange thing about it was that I knew that they were the hands of a male. Just a man. A very tall, big man. And I was just being shoved down the hallway. So just right up to the door, I'm telling you, I got in and around that door so fast and just stood there. I could barely catch my breath. You know when you get an awful scare and everything inside you goes cold, like you've just taken a sip of icy water, all your organs just go cold. So yeah, now we had been talking with Frank and Dolores, that they were the owners of the sections at the time. Beautiful people. They were so, so nice. And they told us that a man had been shot outside the front doors of the sextant 
uh, years previous, years and years in part of the history of the building, you know. Mm. So I often wondered, could this have been the spirit of the man that was... I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know about that. It sounds to me as if this, these hands belong to a spirit that something <laughs> happened in the house, not outside it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, perhaps, who knows? I, I don't like, know. I mean, I'm open to correction yeah. on that. Like, it's maybe somebody yeah. died a violent death or I, I don't know. I mean, you like, yeah, you, yeah. you didn't have a couple of, you didn't have a few snibblies or anything or a toke or anything <laughs> like that. Like, you were... No, ser- <laughs> no seriously, yeah. you, you know the way you could yeah. imagine it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. I can tell you as kosher as all of my five foot one that that <laughs> definitely happened. Definitely happened and scared the bejesus out of Did it. you stay? Did you have a repeat? And then I then? didn't. No, I never had a repeat. The happening still happened. They, I told the two guys when they got back um, and they, they were shocked as well, you know. Uh, I didn't ever have a repeat of that. Although I didn't last much longer in the apartment, I had to move out. The, the energy was too negative. It was all around. Um, it just encompassed me. It was just too much. I have uh, to tell you that that poor old yeah. spirit had to move on as well because they knocked the sextant a few years ago. So where's the spirit gone now? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to hang around for the new apartment. So they're going in there and something. <laughs> <laughs> The poor, come here, maybe they'll charge him rent. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Thanks for sharing the story all the same, though. Mind yourself. I must tell you something funny now, just before I go, if you've got a second. Yeah, go for it. Okay, beautiful. So, I've got two really great friends, Shirley and Janice, okay? Yeah. And every so often, the three of us would go to the movies to watch whatever. So, one particular night, we went to watch the movie The Ring. And have you seen that movie? What's it about? Okay, so ideally, you watch this particular videotape, all right? And then after you watch the videotape, you're... Oh, I say, something to do with something comes out of a TV. Is there something like that? Exactly, exactly. And someone will say seven down in this really spooky voice down the phone, and then you're going to die within a matter of days. So I went to the movies with Shirley and Janice, and uh, we saw this movie, and... They uh, dropped me off outside the uh, apartment and I'm inside the front door. Now, old broken tiles, huge high ceilings, all the light bulbs are blown. So I have to make my way up the stairs. (laughs) I'm already crippled after watching the movie. God knows why living in that apartment. Yeah. I'm inside the front door and my phone rings and I stupidly answered it. And the two girls whisper, <laughs> That's the price you pay for going to scary movies with your buddies. Right. <laughs> All right, Jerry Faye, yeah, cheers, yeah. enjoy the weekend. Lines open at one eight fifty one oh four one oh six. Text oh eight six eight one oh four one oh six. I love Halloween. I love to see the little ones trick or treating as they won't be allowed knock on doors this year. I also have come up with an idea. The kids will love it. For the little ones I was thinking of making treat bags using gloves and I will hang them on my gate at my house. Moms and dads are free to call to my house. Another lovely idea is to stick a load of lollipops into a pumpkin and the smallies can pick a pop from it. Lollipop. Hopefully it'll be fine and a fine night because I love my outdoor fire. The kids have been through enough this year so at least we can give them Halloween. I would appreciate feedback on the idea. Say, Stay safe everyone. Well it's one of those ideas actually that probably would get grief because it may be a great idea but it's encouraging uh, kids to go from door Door to door. So let's see what people think about that idea. I'm welcoming every child to my door for Halloween this year. I am welcoming every child. The children always come around on Halloween with their parents and they come one family at a time. 
I, for one, hope they call to me this year. In fact, I'm putting up a notice today in my front garden, on my front door, I should say, sorry, saying children are welcome for Halloween. If I have to go, if, if I have to go to our window to do it, then I will. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. How are these children going to affect me? They're not. Why are we making the children pay the price for something like Halloween? Don't you think our children have suffered enough over this pandemic? Says Pat in Dublin Hill, who will be continuing with the traditional Halloween tomorrow night. What's the difference between having a takeaway delivered to your door or trick or treaters coming to your door, says Roisin. And just one or two more. Our estate is doing a pumpkin hunt. Every time a child finds a pumpkin in our neighbor's window or outside their neighbor's house, their own parents give them a treat. Good idea. But again, it's encouraging to go out. I'm not anybody's judge and jury. If that's what you're doing, that's your own business. I'm going to do a treat hunt in my own house. I will hide things uh, in the trees uh, and give the kids a flashlight so they can look for the treats. (laughs) Not too high up the tree. You don't want them breaking their necks in the middle of the night. In the middle of the on a dark night, that is. Dee, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for holding. And you too. Um, This is a Scottish story, is it? Yes, actually. Um, I was speaking to my mother-in-law. The story belongs to her, but she won't come on air. I tried to get her. All right. um, Well, thanks for sharing on our behalf. It still gives me chills. It makes me laugh. But um, a couple of years ago, they were gifted two nights away by my sister-in-law at a and b It was a beautiful beautiful old house had been restored so the house was broken up into sections to make more bedrooms and such and they'd been out all day exploring and they came back that evening and literally just went straight to bed Um, so Patricia got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom so you know you're in a new room, a new surroundings, you're not too sure, so she's kind of eyes half open, half asleep scuttled across the room to go to the ensuite, which is a tiny little loo at the other side of the room and as she's walking, she feels Michael, her husband, behind her. And she's like, oh, God, okay, okay, just let me go first, you know, kind of thing. Annoyed that he's got up and he's following her. She goes, would you just give me a minute? So she goes in and she, you know, <laughs> she, tur- she goes to sit on the toilet. So she turns around and sits on the toilet expecting to see Michael and there's nobody there. Okay. Now, Michael is like six foot seven, or he was, bless him. Um, and he incredibly tall, big man. And she just thought, Jesus, that's weird. I could have sworn he was right behind me. She felt him behind her, right? Mm-hmm. So she did her business and then she went to wash her hands and she kind of felt him push past her again. And she looked, she's like, is he messing? And he, he was not there. So at this point, she's getting a bit, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm going back to bed. Right, okay, right, I'm just getting back into bed. And remember now, this is an old-fashioned, tumbly-down, old house converted into a B&B. Exactly. Somewhere and was, in Scotland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really creepy. Uh, I mean, beautiful house in the daylight, but she was really getting creeped out. And there was a door in their bedroom that was sealed. It was an old door, seemingly, that led to servants' quarters or sleeping area up the top of the house somewhere. So there's a a door, but they thought, you know, at the time they thought, oh, that's a nice part of the charm, da, da, da. Um, Anyway, so she goes back to bed and she gets into bed and she's getting comfortable and she feels the blanket being pulled and she's like, Michael, oh, I'm going to kill him, right? And she, she turns around and Michael's like under the blanket in the bed, right? And she kind of thought, 
okay and she goes to settle herself again thinking I'm just going mad here right and then she feels somebody sit on the bed on her <laughs> side of the bed right <laughs> and she I'm getting chills I'm getting chills right so she feels somebody sit on the bed and Trisha she does this thing with her arm she kind of you know the way you, you try to wake the person next to you and she's like hitting it hitting it like Michael 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 there's, a, there's somebody in the room and Michael doesn't come out from under the blanket and he says I know she's been here all freaking night what <laughs> he was aware of the presence in the room all night he went under the blanket and he said nothing oh, why wasn't he phased by this oh, he as was. you say old woman at the end oh, of the bed he was scared he was under the blanket he was choosing not to recognise it not to you know I suppose connect with it or whatever but there's loads of stories with Michael from a young boy where he had seen things and things have happened right to the point Patricia was telling me yesterday that Michael gave up telling people when things happened when it was him on his own because she would normally laugh at him or think he's daft or you know making up things but he genuinely wasn't he wasn't that type of person he's passed on on himself um, like for one one example is years ago he was in a friend's house and he was taking a bath. He was staying in the house. He was taking a bath. And again, a woman basically attacked him in the bath. Right? This woman appears at the end of the bath. He jumped out of the bath. He was naked, ran down the stairs in the house where the other people were downstairs, all his buddies. And at the top of the stairs, there was a bag of golf clubs. And the golf clubs and the bag were thrown down the stairs at him. And he ran out of the house. And that's one of the stories where other people were around when something happened. And did they witness that? Oh, they witnessed that. Yeah, so that's they saw the clubs coming down the stairs. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stairs back down the stairs on top of them. Um, but he's ha- he like that. He has had loads of things happen to him, and he chose not to tell every story because and yeah, there was yeah. too many for people to believe. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But that night, Patricia, oh God, and then the B&B, right, so, the, so they had to sleep there with this woman in the room the whole night, okay? She talked to um, them, no? She didn't say no anything? God, no, 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 didn't say anything. What's the um, point in hanging out with someone like that if they don't talk to you? Like, why, do they, why are they there at all? I don't know. Like, Trapped it's really now, and Patricia said she could hear the skirts. She could hear the rustling of, like, skirts. That's the only way. Wasn't the landlady, hear. like... No. No, <laughs> no, there was no added extras that night. Part of the offer. Um, it wasn't part of the offer, but they were supposed to stay there for two nights. It was booked and paid for. Did they say it to her? Did they say no, it to her the next they morning? Left. They were gone in the morning. Didn't even stay for breakfast. And Patricia was dying to find out more. She wanted to speak to the owners, and Michael was like, "No, they'll think we're mad." Not no. at all. It's good no. God, no. no. She might have had great stories to share. Oh yeah, we we have somebody that's here has been. Listen, here's the story behind her, and here's what happened to her, etc., etc. Exactly. Et and but now never we'll never know. Never know. Never know. But it gives me chills. It's when she sat, and she sat down on the bed next to me, and when she turned, and Michael was like. I know she's been here all the night. <laughs> and Trisha's like, and yeah, it still freaks me out. Thanks, Dee. Stay on the no line. Problem. I want to get a postal address for you, organize a gift for you. Who knows what it may be? Probably one of our piping hot pizza, smoke fire pizza. Helen, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for holding. You worked in St. Finbar's, which is also a very, very old building. I know it's lots of different parts to the building now, but originally a section of St. Finbar's was um, um, a poorhouse, actually. It was a poorhouse, yeah. It's where people went when they had nowhere else to go 
and no food. Yeah. So what part of it were you in? I was all over it. I, I, in that section especially, there was a lot of unusual happenings, we'll say. But uh, we worked in all the different wards, so there were wards when I worked there, but they would have been where the poorhouse would have been, you know? Okay, okay. And some of the staff that worked with me would have remembered people, you know, having to come in and whatever, you know? And what was, was it, what was it like there? Because you said, ghosts do exist. I know. You've come yeah. in contact. We used to see them and, and hear them, but mostly we used to see them. You know, they'd be, it was, um, one of the sections was three floors together. It was the middle section and the top section, excuse me, I'm very nervous. The top section of the building was totally closed. Right. You couldn't get into it from the inner side of the building. You had to get into it from a fire escape on the outside. Right. And um, we'd be in the middle floor on night duty and you just hear things flying across the floor upstairs. Like tables, chairs, whatever. So, um. Ah, my, just got an awful shiver there now. Are, are you <laughs> saying that you'd be below it and up above you could hear somebody throwing around chairs and pushing around tables? Yes. Um, and there was no way of actually physically getting into it unless you rang the night staff to let you in, you know, whatever, you know. So it isn't as if it would be somebody up there, you know. Did you ever go up to investigate, see if it was young fellas who got in there pranking? Oh, we did. We did. We went up there, um, with security just and? to open the doors for us and tables and chairs everywhere but nobody in there you know you went up there the minute you heard it yeah well as soon as somebody came to let us in there oh my god okay yeah you would you would see things I mean there was one long section between the three wards and in one certain section you'd be walking in the dark well you know the, the kind of dim lights would be on because it'd be night duty or whatever but um, you'd see somebody off in the distance you'd say oh my god how did they get out of bed and there wouldn't be anybody there you'd just simply walk through them you know ah you didn't walk through somebody yes you feel the cold somebody would walk towards you you think it was a patient and they would continue you would be walking, yeah you'd be walking from one side of the ward we'd say to the other to get to the other ward because you couldn't you had to go all the way through and so you'd have to walk through and you'd see a figure off in the distance not too far away but off in the distance in the dim and you'd, you know, you'd say, oh, Chris, who got out of bed? And um, you'd walk towards them, and they just wouldn't be there. Where would they go? They would disappear, or what? Just disappear, or you'd walk through them, or where the girls would say, who was that in the hall? Who was I want so much to believe you, Helen, but you're winding me up. I'm not. I'm not. It was the way it was there. And that was regular? Regular, yeah. And you the people, the people that you saw whom you thought got out of bed... Male, female, young, old, dressed, undressed? Uh, female, old, flowy kind of way. It isn't as if you could actually see, a, you know, a face or whatever. It was just female, long nightdress or long dress or whatever. Because we all have energy, you know. That's what. That's how our bodies yeah. work. It's electricity yeah. and energy. So yeah. you have to wonder what happens after we die. And these these patients died there, yeah? Yeah, they did. And I'm sure there's a lot of sad stories out of there. But you didn't take... I didn't, well, I didn't personally take any notice of it. A lot of the staff didn't take any notice of it because it was what it was. So you just got used to it and you just worked away knowing that they were there? Yeah, absolutely. Just got on with it. They weren't going to do any harm to you. But what about the throwing around of tables and chairs? That's a, that's a poltergeist or something, right? Sort of, I suppose. 
um, as I say, you just, you know, the way you'd hear somebody scraping a chair or whatever in an office upstairs to me or whatever, you'd say, who's that now or whatever. But there was nobody up there. And sometimes they would be quite violent as they would throw, you know, the chair would be thrown rather than just pushed out or whatever. Neil, you may not believe Helen, but the story about St. Finbar's is true. My nan told me the very same story. She went to that floor with that woman um, with the night guard, apparently. So uh, other people saying exactly as you're saying. Yeah, it was. But you didn't take any notice, as I say. You couldn't take any notice. You'd go mad if you did. Just hold on there, if you will, because I'm going to go from St. Finbar's over to uh, the South Infirmary. Colette. Hello, Neil. How are you? Is your story similar in any way to Helen's, I wonder? Um, well, I suppose I'm conscious of, you know, there will be people in the South Infirmary or going into the South Infirmary, um, especially the children, you know, in the children's ward. Um so I'm not um, I can only say this is for me okay hold, hold on there it's a shocking phone line I'll pick it up after the break text the Neil Prenderville show now 086-8104-106 Red FM okay so a lot of this morning will be Halloween spooktaculars and the better stories will from themselves one of our great gifts we have uh, takeaway food vouchers for the Cork International Hotel we have vouchers for Azure Jewelry we also have two sets of Azure jewellery, which is the bracelet and the earrings and uh, things like that. We have over a 100 Oak Fire Pizza vouchers for hot piping pizza. We have brunch for two and afternoon tea for two uh, for the Met. We have a free food Friday going on as well, which I'll tell you more about the, a little later on this morning. And we have these wonderful meat hamper boxes from Tom Durkin Meats, and we'll give those away as well this morning. And you can order directly for delivery or collection from tomdurkinmeats.ie or pop in to the English market. So all all of that with Halloween in mind. So enough of me. Let's get stuck in. Sherry Faye, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy nearly <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> you sound quite <laughs> spooky to me. <laughs> Gee, thanks very much. <laughs> anyway, you deliver it well. Um, you well, lived over in a very old area of the city, over the I Sextant did. Bar. Am I right? I did. I did. I did. God, happy days. Was that a long time ago or when? It was. I'd say it was probably from 2001 to 2004. Yeah. Upstairs. Were they converted to apartments, was it? Well, converted is one word for it, for sure. (laughs) We were on the first floor, myself and my boyfriend at the time, and a friend of ours as well, Peter and Owen. Mm -hmm. And talk to me about living there. What was it like? Mm Well, it depends if you want to talk about daytime or nighttime, because day and night were two completely different boxes of frogs in that place. In what know? way? In what way? Well, well, it was very old, as you know, the building. Yeah. Very, very old. And uh, if you came in the front door, you had all broken kind of tiling. And the building, you see, was subsiding. So doors would never stay open. They'd swing open or they'd swing shut, you know what I mean? And uh, our particular apartment that we lived in, so if you came in the front door, yeah, you had your front room or your lounge to the left, yeah. Then you've got the bathroom on the right and you're looking down a very, very long corridor, yeah. Now there were cracks in the walls, the ceilings were really high, so you couldn't even get a ladder to change a light bulb, they were that high, you know. Uh, fascinating place to live. Fascinating. Yeah, but but in need in need of, in need of a serious renovation. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, I know. I mean, we had great times there. We had great times, and the two of the guys that lived there with me were both musicians, 
so one of them is a traditional Irish music player and the other guy played in a death metal band. <laughs> the two extremes. Like, two yeah. extre- and there you were with them. Were they as crippled with fear as you were living there? I don't think so. Like we all had, we all had a bit of the, the fear all right, but I think it affected me more than the other two guys, you know. In what I mean, way? Well, it's hard to describe, but I'll do my best. So the energy, this negative energy started building up both at the time. Yeah. While I was living there and while we were living there, should I say, and started off with lights flickering, things turning on and off. Uh, noises going on in other parts of the the uh, other rooms that nobody was in, stuff like that. And we turned to each other and say, "Did you just? Did you just hear that? That's just well, you know this type of thing." So this started building up. Now you weren't putting this down to dodgy electrics or old mm-hmm. pipes or heating, and you know the way mm-hmm. when your heating system comes on, there's yeah. a, some parts yeah. of it groan, and you can hear different. Um, that's it, that's it. And we did, Neil. We actually did at the start. Although the happenings, if you want to call them, they just became far too frequent, you know, where we stopped kind of second-guessing ourselves and we realised this was actually happening in the house. So, one night, the two guys are out of band practice, yeah? Mm. <clears throat> and I, I was just, I was there in the apartment by myself, probably watching a movie or something like that, you know? And the energy, the energy at this point now was so strong and it was so oppressive. It was there. It was almost like someone was in the room with you, you know? Are you with me? Yeah, it's a sense you got, is it? A sense, a sense so strong that it almost turned into a physical matter, if you catch my drift. Now, I need to describe the apartment to you so that you can understand and picture yourself as to what it was like, yeah? Yeah. So, I'm on the couch. <clears throat> I'm saying, okay, I am crippled with fear. I'm sitting on the couch and I have to go down to the bedroom, which is in the lower part of the landing, okay? Yeah. So, I eventually get myself up off the couch and I'm in the hallway. Long, 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 narrow, old hallway. And then there's a glass door, an old cracked ideally like you'd find in your granny's kitchen or something like that and then beyond that door again was the three bedrooms yeah so anyway I get out to the hall and I'm just saying okay Cherry okay girl come on just man up here now and just make your way down the hall you know make your way down the hall so I'm trying to run but I'm so scared because this energy is just all around me and as I'm walking down the hall, I feel two hands, two large hands. I've told people about this. Two large hands on the back, on my back, on each one of my shoulder blades. And I could feel the weight of it shoving me down the hallway. Can you imagine that? So, Just, But you could actually feel the two I, hands. I could feel it. I could feel it. I could feel hands. So much so that I could envisage the size of them. Were you being pushed by these hands? I was being pushed down the hallway and the strange thing about it was that I knew that they were the hands of a male, just a man, a very tall, big man and I was just being shoved down the hallway. So just right up to the door, I'm telling you, I got in and around that door so fast 
and just stood there. I could barely catch my breath. You know when you get an awful scare and everything inside you goes cold, like you've just taken a sip of icy water, all your organs just go cold. Yeah, you're in shock. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now, we had been talking with Frank and Dolores, that they were the owners of the sections of the time, beautiful people, they were so, so nice. And they told us that a man had been shot outside the front doors of the sextons uh, years previous, years and years, in part of the history of the building, you know? Mm. So I often wondered, could this have been the spirit of the man that was shot? I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know about that. It sounds to me as if yeah. this, these hands belong to a spirit that something <laughs> happened in the house, not outside it. Uh-huh. Would... Yeah, yeah. I mean, perhaps, who knows? I, I don't I know. Guess. I mean, I'm open to correction yeah. on that. Like, maybe somebody yeah. died a violent death, or I, I don't know. I mean, you like yeah. you, you didn't have a couple of you didn't have a few snibblies or anything, or a toke or anything like that. Like you were <laughs> no, seri- yeah, no, seriously, yeah. you, you know the way you could yeah. imagine it. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. I can tell you as kosher as all of my five foot one that that <laughs> definitely happened. Definitely happened, and scared the bejesus out of. Did me. you stay? Did you have a repeat? I didn't. No, I never had a repeat. The happening still happened. They, I told the two guys when they got back, um, and they they were shocked as well. You know, uh, I didn't ever have a repeat of that. Although I didn't last much longer in the apartment, I had to move out. And the the energy was too negative. It was all around. Um, it just encompassed me. It was just too much. I have to tell you that that poor old spirit had to move on as well because they knocked the sextant a few years ago. So where's the spirit gone now? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to hang around for the new apartment. So they're going in there something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the poor Mate, come here. Maybe go charge him rent. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Thanks for sharing the story all the same though. Mind yourself. I must tell you something funny now just before I go if you've got a second. Yeah, go for it. Okay, beautiful. So... I've got two really great friends, Shirley and Janice, okay? Yeah. And every so often, the three of us would go to the movies to watch whatever. So one particular night, we went to watch the movie The Ring. And now, have you seen that movie? What's it about? Okay, so ideally, you watch this particular videotape, all right? And then after you watch the videotape, you're... Oh, I say, something to do with something comes out of a TV. Is there something like that? Exactly, exactly. And someone will say seven down in this really spooky voice down the phone and then you're going to die within a matter of days. So I went to the movies with Shirley and Janice and uh, we saw this movie and they uh, dropped me off outside the uh, apartment and I'm inside the front door now. Old broken tiles, huge high ceilings, all the light bulbs are blown. So I have to make my way up the stairs (laughs) I'm already crippled after watching the movie. God knows why, living in that apartment. Yeah. I'm inside the front door and my phone rings and I stupidly answered it and the two girls whisper, Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the price you pay for going to scary movies with your buddies. Bloody right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cherry Faye, yeah. cheers. Enjoy the weekend. Lines open at one 106 Text 0868104106. I love Halloween. I love to see the little ones trick-or-treating as they won't be allowed knock on doors this year. I also have come up with an idea. The kids will love it. For the little ones, I was thinking of making treat bags using gloves and I will hang them on my gate 
at my house. Moms and dads are free to call to my house. Another lovely idea is to stick a load of lollipops into a pumpkin and the smallies can pick a pop from it. Lollipop. Hopefully it'll be fine and a fine night because I love my outdoor fire. The kids have been through enough this year, so at least we can give them Halloween. I would appreciate feedback on the idea. Say, stay safe, everyone. Well, it's one of those ideas, actually, that probably would get grief because it may be a great idea, but it's encouraging uh, kids to go from door to door. So let's see what people think about that idea. I'm welcoming every child to my door for Halloween this year. I am welcoming every child. The children always come around on Halloween with their parents and they come one family at a time. I, for one, hope they call to me this year. In fact, I'm putting up a notice today in my front garden, on my front door, I should say, sorry, saying children are welcome for Halloween. If I have to go, if, if I have to go to our window to do it, then I will. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. How are these children going to affect me? They're not. Why are we making the children pay the price for something like Halloween? Don't you think our children have suffered enough over this pandemic? Says Pat in Dublin Hill, who will be continuing with the traditional Halloween tomorrow night. What's the difference between having a takeaway delivered to your door or trick-or-treaters coming to your door, says Roisin. And just one or two more. Our estate is doing a pumpkin hunt Every time a child finds a pumpkin in our neighbor's window or outside their neighbor's house, their own parents give them a treat. Good idea. But again, it's encouraging to go out. I'm not anybody's judge and jury. If that's what you're doing, that's your own business. I'm going to do a treat hunt in my own house. I will hide things uh, in the trees uh, and give the kids a flashlight so they can look for the treats. Not too high up the tree. You don't want them breaking their necks in the middle of the night, in the middle of the, in, in, on a dark night. That is. D. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Thanks Happy for holding. Halloween. And you too. Um, this is a Scottish story, is it? Yes, actually. Um, I was speaking to my mother-in-law. The story belongs to her, but she won't come on air. I tried to get her. All but, right. Um, well, thanks yeah, for sharing. She it much better. It still gives me chills and makes me laugh. But um, a couple of years ago. They were gifted two nights away by my sister-in-law at a B&B. It was a beautiful, beautiful old house that had been restored. So the house was broken up into sections to make more bedrooms and such. And they'd been out all day exploring. And they came back that evening and literally just went straight to bed. Um, So Patricia got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. So you know you're in a new room, a new surroundings, you're not too sure. So she's kind of eyes half open, half asleep, scuttled across the room to go to the ensuite, which is a tiny little loo at the other side of the room. And as she's walking, she feels Michael, her husband, behind her. And she's like, oh, God, okay, okay, just let me go first, you know, kind of thing. Annoyed that he's got up and he's following her. She goes, would you just give me a minute? So she goes in and she, you know, <laughs> she, tur- she goes to sit on the toilet. So she turns around and sits on the toilet expecting to see Michael and there's nobody there. Okay. Now, Michael is like six foot seven or he was, bless him. Um, and he's an incredibly tall, big man. And she just thought, Jesus, that's weird. I could have sworn he was right behind me. She felt him behind her, right? So she did her business and then she went to wash her hands and she kind of felt him push past her again. And she looked, she's like, is he messing? And he he was not there. So at this point, she's getting a bit, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm going back to bed. Right, okay, right, I'm just getting back into bed. And remember now, this is an old-fashioned, tumbly-down, old house converted into a B&B. Exactly. Somewhere and was, in Scotland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really creepy. Uh, I mean, beautiful house in the daylight, but she was really getting creeped out. And there was a door in their bedroom that was sealed. 
it was an old door seemingly that led to servants' quarters or sleeping area up the top of the house so there's a, there's a door but they thought you know at the time they thought oh that's a nice part of the charm la 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 um, anyway so she goes back to bed and she gets into bed and she's getting comfortable and she feels the blanket being pulled and she's like Michael oh I'm gonna kill him right and she she turns around and Michael's like under the blanket in the bed right and she kind of thought okay and she goes to settle herself again thinking I'm just going mad here right and then she feels somebody sit on the bed on her <laughs> side of the bed right and she I'm getting chills I'm getting chills right so she feels somebody sit on the bed and Trisha she does this thing with her arm she kind of you know the way you, you try to wake the person next to you and she's like hitting it hitting it I'm like Michael 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 there's, a, there's somebody in the room and Michael doesn't come out from under the blanket and he says, I know she's been here all freaking night. What? <laughs> he was aware of the presence in the room all night. He went under the blanket and he said nothing. Oh, why wasn't he phased by this, oh, he as was. you say, old woman at the end oh, of the bed? He was scared. He was under the blanket. He was choosing not to recognize it, not to, you know, I suppose connect with it or whatever but there's loads of stories with Michael from a young boy where he had seen things and things have happened right to the point Patricia was telling me yesterday that Michael gave up telling people when things happened when it was him on his own because she would normally laugh at him or think he's daft or you know making up things but he genuinely wasn't he wasn't that type of person he's passed on now himself um, like for one one example is years ago he was in a friend's house and he was taking a bath. He was staying in the house. He was taking a bath. And again, a woman basically attacked him in the bath. Right? This woman appears at the end of the bath. He jumped out of the bath. He naked, ran down the stairs in the house where the other people were downstairs, all his buddies. And at the top of the stairs, there was a bag of golf clubs. And the golf clubs and the bag were thrown down the stairs at him. And he ran out of the house. And that's one of the stories where other people were around when something happened. And did they witness that? Oh, they witnessed that. Yeah, so that's they saw the clubs coming down the stairs. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stairs, back down the stairs on top of them. Um, but he's had he like that. He has had loads of things happen to him, and he chose not to tell every story because and yeah, there was yeah. too many for people to believe. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that night, Patricia, oh God, and then the B&B, right, so, the, so they had to sleep there with this woman in the room the whole night, okay? She talked to and them, no, she didn't say no anything. Oh God, no, 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 didn't say anything. What's the and point in hanging out with someone like that if they don't talk to you? Like, why, do they, why are they there at all? I don't know. Like, Trapped it's really now, and Patricia said she could hear the skirts, she could hear the rustling of, like, skirts. That's the only way Wasn't the landlady, it. like... No. Dressing <laughs> no, up. No, there was no added extras that night. Part of the offer. Um, it wasn't part of the offer, but they were supposed to stay there for two nights. It was booked and paid for. They say it to her. Did they say no, it to her the next they morning? Left. They were gone in the morning. Didn't even stay for breakfast. And Patricia was dying to find out more. She wanted to speak to the owners, and Michael was like, "No, they'll think we're mad." Not no. at all. It's good no. God, no. no. She, she might have had great stories to share. Oh yeah, we we have somebody that's here has been yeah. listened. Here's the story behind her, and here's what happened to her, etc., etc. Exactly. Et and but now never know. we'll never know. Never know. Never know. But it gives me chills. It's when she said, and she sat down on the bed next to me, and when she turned, and Michael was like. I know she's been here all. <laughs>
Yeah, it still freaks me out. Thanks, Dee. Stay on the no line. Problem. I want to get a postal address for you, organize a gift for you. Who knows what it may be? Probably one of our piping hot pizza, smoke fire pizza. Helen, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for holding. You worked in St. Finbar's, which is also a very, very old building. I know it's lots of different parts to the building now, but originally a section of St. Finbar's was um, um, a poorhouse, actually. It was a poorhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's where, it it's where people went when they had nowhere else to go and no food, yeah. So what part of it were you in? I was all over it. I, I, in that section especially, there was a lot of unusual happenings, we'll say. But uh, we worked in all the different wards, so there were wards when I worked there, but they would have been where the poorhouse would have been, you know? Okay, okay. And some of the staff that worked with me would have remembered people, you know, having to come in and whatever, you know? And what was, it, what was it like that? Because you said ghosts do exist. I know. You've come yeah. in contact. We used to see them and, and hear them. But mostly we used to see them. You know, they'd be... It was... Um, one of the sections was three floors together. It was the middle section. And the top section... Excuse me, I'm very nervous. The top section of the building was totally closed. Right. You couldn't get into it from the inner side of the building. You had to get into it from a fire escape on the outside. Right. And um, we'd be in the middle floor on night duty, and you just hear things flying across the floor upstairs, like tables, chairs, whatever. So, ah, um, I just got an awful shiver there now. <laughs> are, are you saying that you'd be below it, and up above you could hear somebody throwing around chairs and pushing around tables? Yes. Um, and there was no way of actually physically getting into it unless you rang the night staff to let you in, you know, whatever, you know. So it isn't as if it would be somebody up there, you know. Did you ever go up to investigate, see if it was young fellas who got in there pranking? Oh, we did. We did. We went up there um, with security just and? to open the doors for us. And tables and chairs everywhere, but nobody in there, you know. You went up there the minute you heard it? Yeah, well, as soon as somebody came to let us in there. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, you would you would see things. I mean, there was one long section between the three wards and in one certain section you'd be walking in the dark, well, you know, the the kind of dim lights would be on because it'd be night duty or whatever. But um you'd see somebody off in the distance, you'd say, Oh my god, how do they get out of bed? And there wouldn't be anybody there, you'd just simply walk through them, you know? Ah, you didn't walk through somebody. Yes, you feel the cold. Somebody would walk towards you, you think it was a patient, and they would continue... You would be walking, yeah, you'd be walking from one side of the ward, we'd say, to the other, to get to the other ward, because you couldn't, you had to go all the way through, and so you'd have to walk through, and you'd see a figure off in the distance, not too far away, but off in the distance, in the gym, and you'd, you know, you'd say, oh, Chris, who got out of bed? And um, you'd walk towards them, and they just wouldn't be there. Where would they go? They would disappear or what? Just disappear or you'd walk through them or where the girls would say, who was that in the hall? Who was I that want so much to believe you, Helen, but you're winding me up. I'm not. I'm not. It was the way it was there. And that was regular? Regular, yeah. And you the people the know. people that you saw whom you thought got out of bed, male, female, young, old, dressed, undressed? Uh, female, old glowy kind of way it isn't as if you could actually see a, you know a face or whatever it was just female long night dress a long dress or whatever because we all have energy you know that's what that's how our bodies yeah. work it's electricity yeah. and energy so yeah. you have to wonder what happens after we die and these these 
patients died there, yeah? Yeah, they did. And I'm sure there's a lot of sad stories out of there. But you didn't take, I didn't, well, I didn't personally take any notice of it. A lot of the staff didn't take any notice of it because it was what it was. So you just got used to it and you just worked away knowing that they were there? Yeah, absolutely. Just got on with it. They weren't going to do any harm to you. But what about the throwing around of tables and chairs? That's a that's a poltergeist or something, right? Sort of, I suppose. Um, as I say, you just, you know, the way you'd hear somebody scraping a chair or whatever in an office upstairs to me or whatever, you'd say, who's that now or whatever. But there was nobody up there. And sometimes they would be quite violent as they would throw, you know, the chair would be thrown rather than just pushed out or whatever. Neil, you may not believe Helen, but the story about St. Finbar's is true. My nan told me the very same story. She went to that floor with that woman, um, with the night guard apparently. So, uh, other people saying exactly as you're saying. Yeah, it was. But you didn't take any notice, as I say. You couldn't take any notice. You'd go mad if you did. Just hold on there, if you will, because I'm going to go from St. Finbar's over to uh, the South Infirmary. Colette? Hello, Neil. How are you? Is your story similar in any way to Helen's, I wonder? Um, well, I suppose I'm conscious of, you know, there will be people in the South Infirmary or going into the South Infirmary, um, especially the children, you know, in the children's world. Um so I'm not um, I can only say this is for me okay and, uh, hold on there it's a shocking phone line I'll pick it up after the break well I mean all I can say Neil and I know I'm taking up time I did stay there with my son um, five years ago he had an operation and it wasn't a very nice experience we had um, it was around Christmas and we were only we were only two with me and another lady stay with, with their with our kids that night and it wasn't a very nice experience and um I, I couldn't wait to get out with my son. Uh, he, he had to stay an extra night, but um, he was all benched and everything, but I, I, I had to get on with him, you know. Amazing. Um, okay, I wish I had more time, Colette. Covered a lot of ground with you this morning, and uh, I'm going to park it there, but do stay on hold because I want to get a postal address. Right now, though, it's just turning 10 in the morning. Hold on. It's almost 10 o'clock. Free Food Friday. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. We've got piping hot oak fire pizzas to give away and all of the sides and cheesecake desserts and everything. So it's Friday. Uh, Friday heading in to the Halloween weekend. Um, and I hope also that you got your hands on a barn brack or two. The barn bracks are very different now. I mean, the, can you remember back in the day when the barn brack used to be chock a full? The boring brack used to be chock a full with the, there was a ring in there. Now, Pick up on this if I forget anything. But there was a ring in there and there still is. Because uh, I hit the ring last night cutting it. I know I cheated. I actually cut one last night a couple of slices of it. But there's, there used to be a rag in there, right? That was, if you got the rag, which was a tiny little piece of rag uh, inside in the barn rack, if you got that, you're going to be poor, miserable all your life. So you didn't want to get that. There was a stick in there. What, what was that again? If you got a stick inside in the barn rack... You were going to beat your wife. If, you're, if a girl got it in the barn rack, she was going to beat her husband, I suppose. And then there was a pea. Wasn't there a pea? Or was it a bean? There was a pea. Was that wealth? Prosperity or something? Probably other stuff in there. I mean, just the ones that I remember off the top. They're all gone now. Health and safety has ruled all those out now. It's just the ring. Don't know why. Um, I mean, you could still you choke on a ring as quickly as you choke on a pea or a rag, but uh, maybe it's just the world gone so PC crazy. Anyway, lines open at 1850 104 106. I have two ghost stories for you. The first is on behalf of my aunt. When I was 18, she was coming home from a night out with a friend and she was going up the old fever hospital steps 
there was a man with silver hair and he was wearing a suit. He was standing at the top of the steps. We had another story yesterday from a ghost up the top of Fever Hospital steps. Anyway, he was standing at the top of the steps. The two of them froze solid, knowing something wasn't quite right. The man walked towards them, in between them, and disappeared. They stood there frozen. Fifty odd years later to this day, they still swear by the story of the man on the fever hospital steps. Another one is when I was seven. I was in my grandmother's house after a funeral. I walked into the living room and there she was, sitting there smiling at me in her favorite chair. When I was young, I heard the banshee on a neighbor's roof. She screamed all night, that banshee. The next day, the father of the house died and the banshee went silent. She follows people whose surnames begin with Mock and O. And I think she's, I think I saw her when I was eight years old. The Banshee is a tiny little woman dressed all in black with very long gray hair. And she had the black, tiny, shiny, dancy shoes like Michael Flatley would wear. The Banshee was harmless. She had a very large comb stuck in the middle of her hair. Happy Halloween, says Lil. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Neil, my husband works in St. Finbar's. All those stories you're hearing about St. Finbar's are true. He would often say he would hear footsteps coming towards him or behind him in the corridors of the old hospital. And there was nobody there. A lot of staff over the years have seen things in St. Finbar's hospital. I, I often wonder whether there's an explanation for all of this. Uh, I hope not, because I, I want to believe, I really want to believe. But, you know, people in the workplace play pranks on each other as well. We scare the bejays out of her now. She's a nervous type, so we'll go upstairs when she's unaware of it and we'll start moving furniture. You know, those kind of stories. I mean, far be it for me to burst your bubble, guys. Lena, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And we're back in the 1960s when you were a young girl. Go ahead. I was. I was just 12. And I was going into bed one night, and the next thing, I heard a voice in the corner of the room, and I looked over, because I had my sight that time. You, were, you weren't sightless like you are now, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I lost yeah. myself, and I was 31. Yeah. But I had my sight, and I, I saw my mother's aunt, but I didn't go in to see her when she was dead. I wanted to remember her the way she was when I saw her before. And she had a blue habit on her, and her hair was very untidy, as if she was after getting out of bed or something, and she said to me, listen to me now, girls, she and listen to me good. Don't be a fool. I'm warning you, she said, don't be a fool, because they wouldn't even say a prayer for you. But she said, I'll always pray for you. What does she, she mean by that, do you think? Don't be a fool, don't be a fool, they wouldn't say don't a prayer. Don't be a fool. She, was, she, she must have thought, uh, saying, don't let anyone make a fool of you, like, do, do what you think you should do yourself. That kind of way. I think that's what she meant by it. But that's what she said. And she put up her finger and all. Don't be a fool, she said. Don't listen to me. Don't be a fool. And she said, because they wouldn't even say a prayer for you, she said, I was, I'll always pray for you. And she disappeared. Meaning that at the end of the day, you've only yourself to look out for and you need to look yeah. out for, yeah, that's what Something you brought. like that, yeah. yeah. I'll never forget that. And um, I came down in the morning. I said to my mother, "I said, what had Auntie Bridget on her when she was laid, when she was laid out? So she had blue habit. Uh, so I saw that. Ah, uh, Lena, come on, you're adding. That's to true. Now I might huh? talk to you again, Neil. A blue habit, 
and that's what she had on her, a blue habit. And I went down to her sister in Dominic Street, and I told her, so she, I always prayed for her, well, I don't know, what's about praying for her? So she's talking about praying for me. Huh? Uh, I never forgot that. She had a blue habit, and I never went in to see her when she was laid out or anything. So how are you to know? Yeah, well, how are I you to know? I wanted to see her. I wanted to remember her as she was. And she was a very good woman. She used to take all um, up to the poor players on a Saturday, tea and sugar and butter and everything. And she'd take me with her. And then she'd take me up to Julie Healy's in Shandon Street and she'd buy milk and cakes for me. Uh, ah, she, would, she was lovely. Was she your mother's... She was a lovely person. She was your she was, m- mother's sister, was it? She was, was my it? mother's aunt. Aunt? Yeah. Oh, she was a very old woman, so... She was about 70 when she died. Was she? Yeah, she was. About 70. And um, that's what she used to do. She used to go up to um, Port Clare's every Saturday. Because Port Clare's are in an enclosed order on the College Road, aren't they? Yeah, they are. She used to take tea and sugar and butter and um, uh, sausages and rashers and everything like that. Was she saying something about about the nuns that she had helped all her life when she said... They wouldn't say a prayer for you. No, you're not reading that into it or anything else? I'm not, no. Okay. I don't know what she meant by it, but that's what she said. Don't be a fool, girls, she, and I'm warning you. And I'm telling you again, don't be a fool. And she put up her finger and all. Okay, okay. And she just disappeared then. Okay, let me let me talk to Heather. Lena, mind yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers okay, as always. Okay, Neil. I'll talk to you. Bye. Bye. Heather, Heather, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? You have many a spooky story, is that right? I uh, do, yeah. Where to begin? I know. I just go on, like, but um, I was living out with my parents out in the countryside in Tower, and I was, like, well, when I was a child, I remember my parents being outside and gardening, and it being the middle of the day, and I heard someone calling my name in the kitchen. And I went in, and there was no one there, and I said it to my dad when he came in, and he was like, oh, don't worry, that's happened to me as well. But, um, so I think I was just like, kind of like, all right, <laughs> Grant. But my dad was actually in hospital in Dublin years ago now. It was like, I would have been about 17 at the time, and my mom was up with him, and my friend was staying over with me. And we were just in my room and he went out to the bathroom and I was sitting against the wall and my windows behind me and I was sitting kind of because the rad was there under the window and he was kind of walking back into the room and I just felt something like on my shoulder and I looked down and um, I could see kind of like black and white it looked like string or hair like I didn't kind of know but I felt it before I saw it and I looked down and as soon as I looked down he was at the door and he was like what the F was that like he literally like kind of said it really loudly and was just looking at me and I turned around to look out the window and the thing as soon as he said that it like spat up back up and went out the window like, what was it? I, what was it? I, like, I thought it was, like, hair or something. Like, it looks... It wasn't like, a bat or a crow or... No, like, a my... A flying cat or something. I, I turned around and looked out the window straight away. And my dog was barking his head off. And 
my window was closed so I was like what the hell because as soon as it went up it sounded like you know when you pull a blind one of those like pulley blinds and it like whips up yeah it sounded like that except I had one of the blinds that you have to um, you know you pull the string all the way around you have to manually kind of yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so it wasn't the blind what you're saying it wasn't the blind and it was a full like rectangular window and it was just the top of it that would open out Okay, but um, your dog, okay, your dog was barking, um, which would be an indication, all right, of something going on because they can yeah. pick up on, on different things that we wouldn't be aware of, you know, they're very astute like that. Yeah. And you were hearing music. Yeah, I heard, um, it sounded like an accordion or something, some weird, and we were like, is there music playing? Like, because we would have been listening to music earlier, like back then, like with a CD player, but I think we were just about to go to bed then. So there was nothing playing and we both were like, what is that music? And yeah, the dog was barking. I looked out the window straight away and the dog was just there barking. Because you guys in rural Ireland really do believe in the banshee, don't you? Yeah, like I was convinced it was banshee. But I thought the banshee only comes, when does the banshee come? Is it when someone is dying or has died? Yeah, when someone is dying. But you see, my dad was in hospital at the time in Dublin and like I'm all airy. And I thought, you know, that that was the banshee. But I think because my friend came into the room at the time and because I looked out the window, I think it left. But do the banshees, does the banshee only come from mocks and o's? Apparently, yeah. Sure, I'm fine, so. Tough luck (laughs) on you, I'm fine. Yeah. So, like, that's why. Why the mocks and the o's, do you know? I've no idea. I, I think, it, like, when I looked it up, because I was looking it up the next day, then going, like, what was this? And it said, oh, the banshee has, like, long black and white hair and comes for all areas, and you'd hear, you know, strange sounds like her singing or her whatever. But, like, you know, the music we heard, we didn't know what it was. It was, like, an accordion, but that could have been her. I don't know. But, like, I feel that wasn't my dad's time to go or something like that because we looked out the window that she left or something go away and uh, yeah. saved your dad's life great story Heather yeah. thank you so much stay on hold and we'll see if we can get something nice for you I'm sure we will my 10 year old daughter sleepwalks Neil she was 7 when this happened my husband was working nights and I was asleep on my own in the bedroom she came into my room in the middle of the night it was pitch dark I woke to a figure standing as still as a statue over me I nearly came out of my skin with the fright when you're in a deep sleep that's not good for the heart my scream woke her up and also woke my two boys. Uh, you got a fright from your daughter, but I think actually you, you're not supposed to. I think you're not supposed to try and disturb or frighten or shock somebody who's, who's sleepwalking. Uh, back in 89, myself and my friends saw and heard the screaming of a dead nun that had died years before by the Black Bridge at the end of the old line walk from Black Rock to Rochestown. It scared the life out of us. We were only about 10 years old and it was a dark and a cold winter night, said Fred in Ballyvalan. I know the Black Bridge well. You can walk over it now, but years ago when we were kids, it was a dangerous, dangerous structure. You know the way it used to be. My brother died suddenly due to a fall. His death is coming up on uh, nine years now. I wouldn't be the best at falling asleep and I hadn't slept properly in a few months at the time. And on a Friday night, I went to bed and I miraculously fell asleep easy enough. I woke at four, perhaps five in the morning. I can't be sure of the time, but I woke up hearing my name being called. So I jumped up. 
went straight back to sleep then. Got a phone call the next morning to say that my brother had been found at 7.30 that morning outside. And it came to light that he had went out for a cigarette at about half past four in the morning and he fell. To this day, I still believe it was him calling my name. A selection of texts to 0868104106. Hold on to Eileen. I'll come back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Okay, we'll come back to all of our different stories and calls with regards to Halloween and also do free Fruit Friday shout-outs and things like that. But you recall a story brought to your attention um, probably either the start of this week or the back of last week. It was a story from uh, the Balancholic area. It happened in an afternoon. involved a, a car, a driver and a, a couple of pedestrians in their 70s. Um, and the, I saw photographs and uh, somebody was filming it from their own car which seemed to be an assault on an elderly man who ended up lying on the ground just to piece this together because there have been developments in that story because the Gardaí were very interested in investigating that and talking to those involved. Paul Byrne is across the story because a man was arrested and is due in court this morning. Paul Byrne joins me by phone from Virgin Media News. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I suppose start, could you start with the backstory as to uh, you know what you can piece together about what's supposed to have happened on that afternoon? Yeah, it was uh, last Thursday week, uh, around uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This man, 75 years of age, and his wife, they were out for a, a leisurely stroll uh, around Ballincolic. And uh, they were at a pedestrian crossing near uh, Ballin- uh, near McDonald's, uh, which is also near the Ballincolic shopping centre. Now, they were uh, making uh, moves to cross the road, and a car uh, almost knocked them down. And um, the pensioner took out his phone to take a photograph of the car. He was uh, he got such a shock. And a couple of minutes later, the car did a U-turn and came back. And the driver of the car got out and um, started laying into the pensioner. Um, he really gave him uh, a few unmerciful blows. And the man was uh, actually knocked to the ground. Now, the man's wife also came to his assistance, but the man tried to, to push the wife away as well. And it was um, actually captured on CCTV, uh, or sorry, on, on mobile phones. People in the area were filming it. And it was surprising that, you know, or maybe it wasn't surprising that nobody went to, to help the man. Because Tell me about it. A fellow filming outside this, his, his car window didn't get out of the car. That's right. Look, I mean, people are asking questions. Why didn't somebody run to the man's aid? Yeah, yeah, why? We're living in an age where I suppose you just don't know what you're dealing with. I think, Neil, maybe years ago, people would have ran over, caught the assailant and kicked living daylights out of him. No, in this day and age, you just don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know whether this guy is carrying a knife. Paul, Paul, it's about, about, I need to get this video footage and I need to put it up on my page and I'll get clicks and I'll get people following. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Well, the person who videoed this may have been afraid to get out, but may have also thought about if I film this and I can give it to the guards, it may have be, a, be of assistance. Maybe. All you right. Know, okay. You know, you just don't know. And I look, I, I suppose at the spur of the moment, we don't know how we'd react, Neil, until we're in that situation. Uh, I suppose, look, majority of people would run, have run over and tried to break up and pull this guy off, the, the, the pensioner, who was actually knocked out and he was on the ground. Um, I met the man, the, the victim, and his wife the following day. What a beautiful couple. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Salt of the earth. Just such such a beautiful uh, two people. They were just uh, so humble. Oh, my God. It was just, they were lovely people, honestly. Was and was so he in, did he have to go to the COH for treatment and things? 
He did. He was taken to the Cork University Hospital that night or that afternoon by hospital. Thankfully, his injuries weren't life-threatening. Um, he got an unmerciful blow to the jaw, all right. Uh, he, he was knocked out for a period of time, but uh, he was discharged from hospital later that night and, and uh, got home. And... Um, you know, but anyway, look, it was a week on, or it's uh, seven or eight days on, and people have been asking all along, why right. haven't they arrested this man? Well, they were examining hours and hours of CCTV footage from businesses in the area, and in fairness to the detective from uh, Ballincollig, uh, they were really working hard in the case. They made a breakthrough, and this morning they arrested a man in his 30s. He's from Limerick. Uh, he's not known to the guards and he is due in court at around 11 o'clock this morning charged in connection with the assault okay do you do you intend being there uh, I'm on holidays Neil at the okay, moment but do you think I mean do you think that it, do you think that it will be before a judge and resolved by a judge at some stage this morning well it'll, what will happen if I was a betting man he'll be charged this morning he will probably get bail it will then um, the book of evidence will be prepared. It may be dealt with at the district court level at a later date. It may go to the circuit court. It all just it all depends on the seriousness of the charges. Okay. Really. Okay. Well, let's see what happens in court this morning. Appreciate you for the update, Paul. It's always important to come back and visit stories uh, and bring them to. Yeah, you, you know, a lot of people were conclusion. totally shocked and taken aback by this case. You know, to see the man, you know, lying on the ground and getting the the, the living daylight. So you know, a lot of people are very happy to to see a conclusion in one shape or form. Okay, let's uh, allow the court to do its work then and revisit the story after that. Thank you, Paul. Enjoy your time off. Have a good weekend. Paul Byrne from Virgin uh, Media News. Um, Hi, hope you're keeping well and sane during these difficult times. It's a tough time for all of us. And speaking for myself, I'm more worried about loved ones getting sick, more so than myself, I can tell you. It's quite sobering to find myself thinking this day... Uh, thinking like this from day to day about my family and friends. But at the same time, I count myself lucky that I have family friends in my life to worry about in the first place. And the fact that they're only a stone's throw away if I need to visit them at any time and just to be with them. Just having your family living around the corner or in the same country is such a privilege. Something probably lots of us take for granted. But for some, they would trade all the money in the world to have family near them. Fitsum or probably better known as Fizzy, is my partner for five plus years now. She is the love of my life and means the world to me. She comes from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and has been living in Cork since 2005. I can guarantee you one thing. She must be your biggest fan to come out of anywhere in Africa. She must be, without a doubt. She loves your show. She listens to it every day. If she misses your show, you can be sure she'll catch up using the podcasts or replays on the Red FM website. The the only one who can call the weather forecast for the day. (laughs) I get it to trouble over my forecasts. (laughs) Some swear by them and some say that they're rubbish. Anyway, you're the only one that can call the weather forecast. Any other source is just not reliable enough. I always ask her, why don't you ring the show someday and have a chat with Neil? She's a woman with some real opinions. Some probably too strong to go on air, but she has a heart of gold. She's afraid that her English is not good enough to go on air, but to me, she's fine. Most of Fitzham's family live at home in Ethiopia. It costs a fortune for her to return home, return home and see her family. 
and she's only seen them a handful of times since she first came to Ireland. It's tough for her not being able to see her family, not having her brother or sister around to hug them and not being there to see her nieces and nephews go growing up and with everything that's going on with COVID as well. Anyway, she takes a lot of comfort from the radio every morning and mentions conversations with you like it's as if having a family member in the house. Uh, Hopefully, she can meet you sometime. It would make her year just if she could do so. And, And then... Jason asks me in the email as to whether if I'm ever down in Mahan Point Farmer's Market or the Middleton Farmer's Market, uh, any one of those weekends. Well, I'm going to bear that in mind because Fitzum or Fizzy um, has her own stall and food offering down there. It's called Emye Vegetarian Food. It's a green gazebo with a sign on it. Ask any of the stall holders where you find Fizzy or ask for the Ethiopian stall if you're lost. So if I get an opportunity, and hopefully I will, I will visit Fizzy in person, Jason. But you did ask me to give her a big shout-out after 10 o'clock some morning and tell her that it's uh, it's from Lovey. Apparently that's what she calls Jason, Lovey. She'll definitely have the radio on and she's doing her prep work. So good morning, Fizzy. Glad that you're enjoying the program. And hi to Jason as well. We'll, we'll, we'll hook up soon, um, sometime soon in the future. Um, we'll try out some of your delicious food. For all of the business, text 0868104106. Let's go back to our phone lines now. And I'll return to emails and texts again in about 10 or 15 minutes time. Eileen, good morning. Did you want to pick up on Barnbrax, was it? I did, yeah, I did, I did. I was just thinking there that you were, you mentioned Barnbrax there earlier about everything has gone out of them, now only the ring. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you had a Barnbrax? Um, well, I, I pick one up every now and then, but I've a kind of, I don't like them now because they're not as nice as they used to be. We used to get to Thompson's Barnbrax long ago when I was growing up in Farnry. I grew up with, there was 10 of us there in Farnry and we'd have two Barnbracks and so we'd be like, <sighs> Lies around the table waiting for that ring. I know, I know. But whatever we got. So there was lots more besides the ring in it. There was the rag. There was a stick. The rag, the bean, the pea, the stick, the whole lot. Would you explain the difference between the bean and the pea to me? What was that about? The bean was poverty and the pea was wealth. The stick was in our day, you get a thump now and then or whatever, and the ring was that you get married before you were 21. And what about the rag? Oh, Jesus, you'll be very bad if you've got the rag. Ah, you see, you're, you you don't know the difference between the bean and the rag then. Oh, well, have you a different idea? No, I, that's what I didn't know. I couldn't remember what the difference was. The ring was, you get married. The rag yeah. was that you'd be poor all your life. The stick yeah. was that you'd beat your wife. Either the yeah. pea or the bean was wealth, but I'm not sure which. And the other one then, I didn't know what it was. Well, I thought that the bean was... Maybe the bean was for the bean was for strength or something. <laughs> you know, you can get some, you can get some lovely barn breaks, but you can get some awful ones as well, can't you? You can, yeah. But snap apple life for us was a very happy one because my father used to hang apples off the ceiling. That's right. And we were right. all trying to get it. You know, and you can imagine now ten of us and all Cheating. our heat. Teeth in those apples trying to grab them. Then there'd be a fight a and a free-for-all because there'd somebody be was fight. cheating. And you'd be blindfolded. Then there could be a dish on the floor with an apple, a potato, maybe a ball, a bit of coal or something <laughs> like that. And they're all trying to get that as well. Could you imagine, Neil, the hygiene? None of us were sick. 
So, I think there was. Sadi- I think your dad had a sadistic strength. In we used to have the time of our life. Then my mother would buy a box of sweets. When we say box of sweets, she used to buy two packets of ice caramels. She would like them herself. And when all this carry on was over, then we'd sing a song and we get a sweet each. Oh, they were fabulous God's memories. Sake. Like of two packets of ice caramels life. now would go absolutely yeah. nowhere. Well, we used to have to give. We'd only get one each. And in that oh day, the bags God. were generous. But that Don't was, talk to me about shrinkflation. I must get back onto that. Shrinkflation is the greatest crime of the century. You pay the same or more for things that are getting smaller. But listen to me. It wasn't Halloween and all that time. It was snap apple night. We used to love it. Snap but that was our memories now of snap apple night. I don't think in my day there was no things as masks. We would dress up, maybe, and we'd have a torch. But we used to go to house to house at all. We just stayed in our own home. <laughs> Your family sitting around, eight kids and a mammy and daddy, sharing a packet of ice caramels. <laughs> Two packets, excuse me. Two packets. Uh, go all the way down, find out the difference between the pea and the bean. Come back to me, will you? Oh, well, that's what I thought. No, as I said, one was for poverty. Take my word for it, maybe the bean was for strength. All right, okay, okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Stay on the line. We get your name and address and we get you out something nice. Thank you to people who are sending me lovely photographs of the front, back and insides of their houses. There's one particular house there. It doesn't say where, but it's got a, it's got a coffin on the side of it with a skull. Then it's got ghosts and white sheets hanging from where plants and baskets should be. And it looks like a corpse wrapped in a shroud. There it is from the other side of the door. Some fabulous photographs. Another one here then, which is the back of the house. The entire back garden is covered in ginormous spider web. Fabulous job. And more than, oh my God, this is amazing, body parts. Body parts. Skeleton parts all over the back garden. And somebody sent a photograph then, which is really lovely. Again, I don't know the name of the family, but it's just the print off of the photograph, which is a Christmas tree adapted for Halloween, which is great actually, because the tree is up with all of the Halloween-y spooky bits. And maybe Monday or Tuesday when you take all that stuff down, the tree is still up and you can decorate it for Christmas. So you got win-win. I love that idea. Anyway, let's get back to the phone as we go on. Enough of me. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, the Banshee, your understanding of the Banshee. Like, uh, yes, for, for, um, firstly, what would she sound like? Um, she, kind of a roar. She always made a roar. According to, according to the parents growing up, there was a big, big roar. But... Well, there was a few of us going back um, years ago, we were very young and we lived out the country and we'd always jump forward and back from the lakes and we loved it. But the mother and the father would always say, if you ever see a comb on the ground, always step over it and never pick it up. Because if you pick it up, you'll bring the bounty home, you know? Why would they say something so daft as that? Because the benching was known for combing our hair all the time, okay. all the time. This is the stories we were given by the I street. understand. And she'd leave it in the comb, but it was a sign then. If you picked up the comb and brought it home, you brought bad luck to the home, or someone died, or don't step over it. But as time went on, of course, as kids, you would be like, no, oh, I'd love to pick it up, I'd love to... One Why, did, were you in the habit of going around seeing people's combs on the ground? No, no, no. We used, um, when we were told that story, we'd watch out for them. Oh, I see. I can't wait to find you a know, comb, yeah. As yeah. kids, yeah. So one day in particular, it was a very big, solid old comb, and it was on the ground. We were jumping back and forward from the, the little stream, 
And one of the friends turned around she says, I don't believe anything. So she picked up the comb anyway, and we were all terrified. And we said, come on, let's bring it. And we were told, go back with it. But down the line, we did see by the stream a very small, small lady with long, long <laughs> hair. Ah, come on. Yeah, it was like... Ah, come it, on. It, no, I know, I know, I know you don't believe that, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, a little shawl over her, a long grey hair, and a very kind of a face, but... They do say, going back in the olden days, it's like, step over the comb, don't bring it home, that the hair is in the comb, you bring bad luck to the house, or someone is dead. So we would be terrified of that for years. And to this day, if I ever, it's very rare now, you see, because people always drop their comb that time, they always have it in the pocket, you know? Yeah. But um, then the band brack was caught up around, and we all sat around the table, and whoever got the rag was ragged to riches. And whoever got the ring was going to marry a wealthy guy around the area. And whoever got the stick, you say would have a, a long walk or a hip complaint. <laughs> For God's sake, you all have different versions of the bar yeah, to and me. with the P, <laughs> the P was always kind of strength and courage. You know? And, and the then, bean, was there a dried bean in there as well, choking kids? The bean then was just the thing like... Um, no one kind of took mum, but no, as you take it and see what happens. <laughs> we never had kind of, but we put a lot of coal. We put a lot of coal on our face, a lot of coal, and we always cut up the potato bags, the old bags, put them on, bring the hands through them, and we couldn't be as happy as anything. But then if there were sweets there, we'd have sweets, and if there wasn't, there weren't. We'd done with it. All right, girl, lovely talking to you. You and tell a great story. we went story. up the road and took all the apples from the orchard. <laughs> Slogging apples, we all did it. They were the sweetest apples <laughs> of all, the ones you slogged from the orchards. And we didn't even wash them, we just eat them. Thanks, Marie. Stay on home and get a postal address, get you sorted because this uh, today and indeed, um, you know, hopefully next week we'll still have some more to do. We've got some great giveaways and some lovely prizes. We have two, um, we've got some two takeaway vouchers for takeaway food. It'd be nice for the weekend, wouldn't it, from the Cork International Hotel. We have vouchers from Azure Jewellery and we also have some beautiful gift sets from Azure Jewellery. We have a hundred or so Oak Fire Pizza vouchers for you. We have brunch for two at the Met as well. These are all takeout prizes to do between now and midday today and for calls on air. And also we got those wonderful meat hampers from Tom Durkinmeats.ie in the English market. Can I just mention, you know we got the, the extra hour, we gained the hour back because the, when the clocks went back there last weekend uh, and Cork's Red FM were asking uh, to, uh, well we actually teamed up to help fight the fight against cancer and we're asking people to put that hour to good use uh, and uh, it's all about buying back time for cancer patients in Cork so a little bit of thought on that one um, at some stage today guys if you get a moment, we're asking you to um, um just take an hour of your time uh, that we got back with the clock changes to give Breakthrough Cancer Research a little bit of help in some way, shape or form. Now, if you have an opportunity to organize a fun Halloween fundraiser event at home or at work, please do so. Um, and uh, if, if you can't do that uh, and you would like to help uh, Breakthrough Cancer, then you can text um, BCR to 5300. Text the letters BCR to 5300. And that text will automatically donate four euro. You might think about doing it right now to help, uh, you know, do your best to help make, continue to make major breakthroughs in cancer research 
uh, and we're part of that initiative, okay? And this would be, I think, fair to say that unfortunately for some cancer patients who are going to treat through treatment or needing treatment, in some cases, they have lost months of progress because of COVID-19. Okay, so bear that in mind if you can spare a thought and spare a few, Bob. Text the words BCR to 5300 and four euro will be donated on your behalf. Also, can I wish a very happy birthday, 85th happy, 85th birthday to Shawnee O'Callaghan from Toker. From all of the family, your lovely wife Chrissy picked up the phone and asked us to um, give you our best. And that's what we're doing. Happy 85th, Shawnee. Hope you have a good day today. Back to the phone lines we go. Donald, good morning. Neil, how are you? You're the big old dog. Was it a big old dog? <laughs> oh, yeah. The big old dog at all. It was, it was my mother's dog. A German shepherd, ranger. I'll never forget <laughs> He was the size of a Shetland pony. Was he vicious? Well, if you, if you came into the house, you would have been, you know what I mean? If you weren't welcome, yeah. That's the best way to have him, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was docile enough to the family, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but they're very perceptive. They say the dogs can sense spirits and ghosts and weirdness. Well, this fellow, this, this fellow ranger, this particular night, and yeah, whatever he picked up on, and yeah, like he stopped me going further up to jail green, you know what I mean? And, um,. It was just an experience I'll never forget. What happened? Yeah, go ahead. What happened? They heard, they heard me hand just standing. Um, like, like the mother and the stepfather, Lord of Mercy, and them, like, you know, they, they, they were, they got told to walk him, you know, and so whenever I'd have been up, I'd, I would take him out for the walk, and my brother and my brother and Lord of Mercy, and so, you know. Yeah. And the girl I said, I called up and I said, before I went home, I said to the mother, I said, look, man, I'll take, it. I'll take Ranger up to Jail Green there for a run, you know. And she said, all right, so, and um, so I took him out to side gate and Ranger knew his own thing, like, you know, and off up to the Good Shepherd Convent first for five or ten minutes, I supposed to do his business, whatever, and yeah, gave him the whistle. Walking up to Jail Green and yeah, next I could see Ranger and he's stopping in his tracks. The hair stood in his neck all down his back, the tail coddle, and he went vicious. Vicious. And I was looking around and I said, I don't see any other dog or anything like And he went vicious, barking, barking. And he came over and he put his two front paws up on my chest and he was stopping me from going further up to jail green. And I don't know what you know, the entrance to the old jail, or to the new jail now, you know, the steps going in where you pay to go into the jail. You're talking about Strawberry Hill. Yeah, on on, the, on Convent Avenue there. Yeah, yeah, I was up cycle past it there ten days ago. Yeah, I know well. Yeah, yeah. Reputably, there just outside there, the railings they used to hang the people. Well, there. it's not reputed. They, that's where they did hang them. You are right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. So the dog was just vicious at that spot, like you know, she just wouldn't leave me past there, and all of a sudden, this fog-like figure needed. And I swear to God, I'm not cutting you or nothing, man. Just came out from the gates in front of me. I froze in my tracks, man. Came out the gate and just crossed the road. The dog was going berserk. Go away. Crossed the road and the wall, and it was, I think it was Goggins' wall came up that far. And crossed the wall and just disappeared through the wall, man. Well, I caught Ranger by the neck and I went back down to jail green and into my mother's house as quick as lightning. <laughs> so uh, but at the same that. time, that's uh, that's an amazing experience to have, though. Oh, I'll never forget as long as I live. 
it was a clear night. It wasn't a dark and, you know... Could you make out the figure or was it just a foggy impression kind of thing? No, it was a fog-like figure of a human. You because know? because of the signif- the significance there was this was the hanging arch at the front door to the yeah. old jail. Yeah. No, no, and like it wasn't one of these nights, you know, where you sit down to tell a story, the the thunder and the like it wasn't. It was a it was a nice and just a dark night. I love it. You know? I love it, I love yeah. it. Thanks, Donald. Stay on the ho- stay on hold there. You get a postal address. You sort out something nice for you. People who uh, share stories and get on the air, of course, are being well rewarded with some great gifts today as we head into Halloween weekend. And other people coming up with different ideas for Halloween. And I want to come back to those uh, tips and hints as to how you're doing Halloween differently this year. Okay. Also, some friend of mine actually discovered only um, yesterday at the age of 41 that it's actually Barm, Barm Brack, not Barn Brack, B A R. No, 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 it's B-A-R-M. She'd be living under the false illusion that that uh, was the word Barnbrack for all those years. She what harm. That's just called local colloquialism, isn't it? But talking about things local, I didn't do this yesterday and I ran out of time. Uh, and I want to do it now because I don't want to run out of time at midday. Do you remember Darren that was on the air, the busker, who was wondering would it be okay for him to do a bit of busking? Lovely guy. Everybody liked him. We had a great old chat. I hope he's out there busking. I said to him, listen, if you have any tune that you've written yourself that you can record, get it into me and we'll give it a spin. And he did. And I'm sure he's got many more. But this actually is well worth the play. So this is Darren the busker with his own song, number called Me Old Trombone. I couldn't get it on my slick smartphone. I had to play it on the old trombone. I should have sang it but forgot the words. Somewhere out there in the universe We have all the time in the whole world You and I combined We could fly, my boys and girls We have all Should have sang a book. 
got the words There's somewhere out there in the universe We have all the time in the whole world You and I combined We could fly, my boys And all the time Darren the busker, you might see him busking his way around the city and if you do so, go over, say hello, give him a few bobs, support local musicians. Thanks Darren for sending me in that tune, oh, my old trombone, you never know, um, you might do some studio work in the future and we give those a spin as well. But good luck to you and thanks for sharing and do stay in touch. Please play a very special request for Kathleen Quinn from The Lock, it's her 80th birthday, she's the best nan in the world and always keeps a positive vibe on life, especially through the pandemic. We hope she has a fantastic day today. She'd love to hear Only 16 by Sam Cook, if you could play it. it says Carrig, it says Craig, Aideen, Dylan and Skylar and all her family and friends. No song, unfortunately, but a big happy birthday to Kathleen Quinn. We'll have Free Food Friday shoutouts after 11. You'll come back to your calls and your texts as well this side of midday, but I'm mad keen to talk to Pauline Jackson because at home I have a copy of her book uh, from some years back. It's called Ghosts of Cork and she joined me by phone. Pauline, good morning. Can you hear me? Or actually, I think, Pauline, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. I no, think, I, I actually you. think, reading the book some years back, that that's where I first came across the ghost of the North Infirmary was in, was in, your, was in your book. Would I be right? Um, well, I'm not too sure. It was um, a man called Jim O'Keefe. He's dead now, God rest him, but he was one of the yarn spinners and he told me the story and I was very interested in it, really, you know. Yeah. So tell um, us about it, because the, the North Infirmary in itself was a very, very old building. We're talking 1700s, aren't we? Yeah, I think it was started to be built around um, 1721, but it wasn't finally finished, I think, until around 1744. And... Um, but the, the story about the, the ghostly nun was much later. I think it might have been around the time it was either there was an I know there was an outbreak of cholera in Cork in eighteen thirty two, but um, it might have been typhoid later on or something that this young um, nun was working there, and she was something like forty eight hours on her feet tending to the sick, and she was absolutely exhausted. And across from the Norton Infirmary at the time, there was. Um, what we call a chemist today, but it was known as an apothecary mm. at the time where people went to get medicine for the hospital. And she was asked to go over there and uh, pick up a bottle of medicine for a man that had come come in that was, was ill. But on her way, she passed um, her cell, as they called it, where she was sleeping. And she was so tired and she said, look, if I just put my head down for five minutes, she, her eyes were paining her. And of course, the, the inevitable happened. She fell asleep and she oh, was asleep for hours. So 48 hours on the go, so five oh minutes God, wouldn't have done it for yeah, her. Like, yeah, imagine it now today. Yeah. And she was, a, she, of course, she woke in an awful panic and she went tearing through the corridors to get the medicine. She got the medicine, all right, but when she went back, she discovered that the man had died. And what effect did that have on that young nun or nurse? It had a terrible effect on her. Um, she didn't eat. Um, she blamed herself completely. And I think it, it might have only been a matter of two months later when she passed away herself. But lots of people down through the years have claimed 
that they have heard, like if they were in the corridor on their own, they'd hear like the swishing of somebody walking very quickly into <sighs> like the old fashioned habits that the nuns wore back then. And you know, do, the, do you think that it was the nun who was trapped in that moment, running to the chemist, running back again forever and ever? Kind they reckoned that actually, they reckoned that um, it was put down to that. And then there was a patient at one time, um, she woke up one night during the night and she saw this um, this young nun, but dressed in the old garb, looking down at her and smiling at her. And she was worried herself at the time because she thought she was going to die. And she said it to actually one of the nurses at the time, and the nurse said, "Oh, don't worry about that. She won't harm you." So they they were they were used. So to years it. later, like the nurses and the, the yeah. Sorry, I'm saying years later, the nurses and the staff knew of the ghost of the nun. Oh, it was a popular one. Yeah, and when when the hospital actually closed. There, um, I think it was nineteen. Was it nineteen eighty seven? I think it's closed. And when they were kind of guarding the area, there was a security man there, actually on 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 the on the outside of it. And he said one night that um, he got the fright of his life. That was very quiet, and he heard footsteps coming up behind him, like running footsteps. And he thought that it was somebody. Oh God, is there somebody breaking in or? doing something and um, he turned around he could see nobody and it, he said he just remembers the, the footsteps going past him and he said his blood ran cold. Oh, that's spooky, spooky. So let's run down the hill then to uh, to McCurtain Street because you're going to would that have been Thompson's Bakery you're writing about or what? Yeah, Thompson's Bakery and later became Tig Filee um, and uh, I knew a man, I'll refer to him as Andy because he didn't want me to give him his real name in the book. He was a baker there for many years, I think 30 odd years. And uh, he had some stories about it. He said he went in one bank holiday Monday, um, as he said, to something to do with the dampers, you know, so that when the men would be coming in that night to do the night shift like you know to get things ready that he would have to get it sorted out and he said he was there and um, he heard footsteps behind him as he thought and he turned around and he saw this man and he said he was dressed now in a very kind of unusual it looked like as if it was overalls but that they would have looked unusual at the time and that him he said to him are you alright can I help you and uh, the man never said anything and he was wondering like about this and he said but he actually turned around for a moment to fix the damper because there was it was kind of a noise going off in it and when he turned around again the man was gone and he said it to he said it to actually the foreman the following morning and the foreman said to him you know he was a very elderly man and he said could you describe what he was like and he said it he told him and he said oh don't worry about that he said that's the ghost he said of a man that uh, walked there a long time ago, he said about 30 years ago, but he said he was killed on the premises in a terrible freak accident. Oh, Don't worry about it. Oh, wow. And would you say that the overalls that the your man was wearing were 30 or 40 years old, as they were a different style overall, that's what it was? They would have been a different style uh, to the time when, when Andy was there. Yeah. And they would have looked, you know, he was saying, God, what way is he dressed? And he said, you know, he just thought for a minute, like, is this man all right? Is he well? Is he after... So the ghost of the ghost of you know? somebody who died suddenly in a in a awful accident yeah. in the job is trapped within the bakery. Yeah, they can the the you know the fear of it, the terrible tragedy, the fear that they experience to support can trap them in a place 
I was told that before now, all right. That the, and then the, there was the this presence can still be there. You yeah. Know? Then there was the story of Amelia, an orphan oh, and a servant Amelia. to a, a rich, rich woman, Mrs. Bishop. Yeah. She was a bad piece of work, Mrs. Bishop. Was, was what part of Cork do you know? It would be, it was the city, but it might have been, we'll say, the outskirts of it, uh, of the city. And um, the story with Amelia, I, I love the story because I just think it was, it was so sad. But Amelia was an orphan girl and she was working, it was around 1873, and she was working for um, a woman, Harley Collar Lady, the way she treated her, yeah. Mrs. Bishop. And she treated her appallingly. You know, I'd say she didn't even pay her. I'd say she would, she just felt that you're lucky to have yeah. food yeah. and lodgings. But anyway, Amelia, when her, she go out every day, Mrs. Bishop, and uh, Amelia, she loved to kind of go in and dress up in Mrs. Bishop's clothes, just pretending sort of, I suppose, that she was a lady as well. And there was another guy working there. He was kind of helping out around the, the land. Andy and the two of them were in love and they had planned at some stage to run away together but one day Mrs. Mrs. Bishop came in and she found Amelia dressed in her clothes and she beat her and she got very angry and she took the clothes and she, she put them into this room where she kept uh, the key in her pocket and locked it, locked her, the clothes in there but Andy and herself were there one day and when the Mrs. Bishop had gone out and she was mad to find out what was in the room What's so they decided there, yeah. to go searching for the key yeah. and they found the key anyway and they turned it in the lock and they went in and of course Amelia was immediately taken with all Mrs. Bishop's finery the clothes and she was modelling it for Andy and like that but in the mirror Amelia all of a sudden she could see um, a picture come in the room now there was a bed in the room alright but when she turned she saw an old man lying on the bed father of God <laughs> <laughs> and she Who's said it's man? Andy and strangely enough Andy saw it as well Who's your man? now the thing is I think Amelia might have been a bit psychic because she had had a dream about two nights before that and the dream was where she saw an old man being murdered in the bed and didn't she see the same thing this day actually when she saw the man on the bed she saw um, he was kind of crying for help looking out and next thing there was a white kind of a wardrobe type door it was probably a door but it looked like a wardrobe and out of it came Mrs. Bishop and she takes up a pillow and she goes over and she suffocates the man now the man was actually turned out it was her husband she, he was a much older man than he her, was a wasn't much older and man she? And, and, and she suffocated him for his money. She saw definitely for the money. And Amelia and Andy saw it. And um, they got very upset. But the inevitable happened. Mrs. Mrs. Bishop came, happened to come on the scene. Ah, there's a movie in that. Him. There's a film in yeah. that, isn't there? Oh, there was a play. I wrote a play. I'll get to that now in a few minutes. But actually, Andy, Andy heard her coming and Andy hid behind the door. And uh, I suppose maybe we can't judge him. Maybe he was terrified of losing his job or the family depending on him. But she grabbed Amelia anyway because it was actually late at night and they thought that she was staying in some hotel in Cork for the night, but she came back earlier. So they um, they caught her she caught Amelia anyway and she dragged her out out onto the the darkness and there was a small yacht that would belong to Mrs. Bishop um, kind of uh, tied up on in the river and she dragged her in there now Andy did follow and he looked through the, the little round window of the porthole is it? Yeah. and he saw her take a scarf and strangle Amelia 
and she went home and he said nothing about it and Mrs Bishop said to him the following day oh Amelia has run off but no doubt uh, she'll be back soon when she's hungry something to that effect now he carried secret with him for two weeks until it really guilt I suppose and he told a woman that he knew an old woman now she didn't believe him at first but when she, she he was she, he looked so shook up and then when she didn't see Amelia or hear of her she decided to go to the police and the guards and tell them and they came in the interview Mrs Bishop and she said well I don't know she ran off she left me and nothing ever came of it I mean they took you know they didn't but she never found a body no they never found a body they found her body, all right, but it was too badly decom- decomposed. Years later. Uh, you know, years later. And does Amelia haunt the Lee? Amelia said was said to haunt for ages this part of the Lee. And she was putting her out, out her hand to people. Very frail, thin, fair-haired girl. And she was, like, pleading for help. But the story moved me so much that I, I wanted to write a play about it. And I did write the play and uh, I put it on in the Vision Centre, which had its own, formerly St. Peter's Church, which had its own stories as well. And it also put it on in um, the the Cat Club. Well done. And well done. Uh, it was played by a brilliant Cork actress, Louise Desmond, and she really, really looked the part of Amelia. And it was that's when I was with Louise Theatre Company. And Wonderful story. And it was directed story. by Karen Corkin. Wonderful story. When, when, when you say St. Peter's, you're saying that there, there, there are stories there as well? Does that have spirits? There's lots of stories. Sure, that would date back to the, the 14th century. There was a few things there as well. There was a man believed at one stage to set up in... Um, at that time, people were buried actually a lot closer to the... We say they wouldn't have been six foot under like today. To the surface. And yeah. at one stage, there was actually somebody actually found sitting up in his grave after waking up and not being dead at all. Oh, well, that happened. Like, I know that yeah. happened. We hear a story. We even hear... There was one of those stories two weeks ago where a woman woke up, woke up two weeks ago in the morgue. Oh, my God. So, I yeah. mean, I, I, I imagine people were buried six feet under. That's why they put a bell in the graveyards. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's People right. woke up that's in their right. coffin six feet under. Oh, my God. They did, yeah. But getting back to Amelia for a moment, I remember when we put it on in the cat club and there was, I think, four or five people in the cast. And I remember there was a scene in a, where I was playing Mrs. Bishop, the evil Mrs. Bishop, but I, there was a scene where I wasn't in it at all. It was only between um, Andy, the Andy and Amelia, who were played by, as I say, Louise Desmond, and Andy was played by Shane McCarthy. And I'm I was standing sure. out at the behind, the, the in, in the wings, and I was just totally, completely on my own and I remember it was kind of coming up then and I was saying to myself I'm so glad this was done and I because I, I knew people were, were kind of saying you know that they had read the story and they were upset by it and I was standing there and actually I felt like it was like a very small hand on my arm and my shoulder and it was like the, the person touched me first and it was like a cat and then it was like somebody gently caressed my arm who was and that? Remember, was that Mrs. Bishop or Amelia? Amelia. I think, oh no, I don't think it was, I was saying Mrs. Bishop, so I don't, I don't think she was in favour of me doing it. No. But I did feel, and I turned around and there was nobody there. And somehow I got the strange feeling that, I, I think myself, it was Amelia saying, you know, thank you. you she was saying thank you. You know, she I was. do. Because Louise, now she played it so well, you know, the, 
timid blonde girl she just played it so so well and the cast were really because the cast were very moved by the story as well because it just showed like that an orphan girl a servant absolutely no rights whatsoever back none, then none listen yeah. Pauline thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us I'm this morning I'm enjoying it so much here I'm riveted to it alright girl I'll let, your I'll, show I'll, 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 I'll plow on well done thank you so much author and playwright uh, Pauline Jackson uh, is that book is that book available anymore now Pauline Ghosts not of Cork not so much anymore um, um, the only person was Rich, it was published by Richard T. Cook and Catherine Courtney there for the the millennium of this 2001 mm. Unless they might have a copy, I don't know. All right, girl. Um, Thanks so much. And you might get a copy in the library. Thank you so much. Pauline Jackson wrote a book called Ghosts of Cork, if you can ever get your hand on it. Well, the library, good place. Don't know what the story is about the library regarding there's no access now at the moment. I think it's more online and vital, vital, as the fellow says. I worked at Shandon Court Hotel, which was the North Infirmary, 25 years ago. And that ghost that Pauline spoke of certainly did exist. She watched over us all. But I can tell you one thing. She was a very caring spirit. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. The White Lady of Kinsale is another very famous ghost, actually. And there's a great story told on her where her the man that she loved was actually murdered by mistake, confused by somebody else, as somebody else, by her father down in Charlesfort. And this young woman, the White Lady, as in... The White Lady of Kinsale is still walking the battlements. Her ghost, her spirit is walking the battlements of Charles Fort for hundreds and hundreds of years since then. And also down Bell Valley Way, there's another very famous ghost of another woman. I'll tell you that story at another time because I don't want to be hogging things. Listen to your stories on the radio. got me thinking back to when I used to live in Gibraltar. One night I was asleep and I woke to a noise. I turned around to see this lady standing on the windowsill of my bedroom. I quickly pulled the blankets up over my head and was peeping out over the blanket while shouting out for my mother at the time. This lady was wearing a long white dress, which looked like a wedding dress. She just stood there staring straight at me, a tall lady with long, long hair. Uh, At this stage, I was so scared, still shouting out for my mother. As my mother came in and opened the door, the lady in white just faded away. Another night, my sister was screaming out as she felt um, hands on her. We all woke up from her screaming, but there was no one to be seen, but she felt hands upon her. Thankfully, nothing happened again, but some things you never forget. There were spooky times. Well, Gibraltar would be a very old, old area with lots and lots of, imagine, not a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of death, a lot of sickness down in that part of the world. wonder what brought you down there. Um, how come you were down Gibraltar where it sounds to me as if the family were down. I'd love to hear some more about that. And perhaps you might come back to me at another time and just share some more about your life in Gibraltar itself. I thought I'd share my paranormal experience with you. Back when I was living at home, I always felt as though something just wasn't right. The house wasn't particularly old or anything, but it just felt, never really felt right. Growing up, you often catch the glimpse of shadows at the front door. You get the feeling that someone was watching you. I never really thought twice about it until one particular night. It was like any other night. I sat down and watched TV on my own downstairs. My mum had gone to bed. Her room was directly above the front room. She was a pretty light sleeper, so I always had to be mindful of the volume, the volume on the television. I heard her moving around upstairs that night, so straight away I turned the TV down. I was waiting for it to start, start stomping on the floor to give out to me, you know... Turn it down. The next thing I know, I hear thump, thump, thump down the stairs. And I sat 
waiting for her to come down to give out to me in the sitting room for the television. I was waiting for her to come down. The door was fully closed. It was late at night. The nights were off. I sat there waiting for 20 seconds or so for her to get down the stairs to the door. I could hear her looking for the door handle, scratching the door and hitting the handle as you do when you're looking for the handle in the dark. But she never entered the room. I jokingly shouted out, are you, are you lost, I shouted, are you lost out there? But instead, I heard my mum turn in the bed upstairs. Whatever was outside the door dragged its nails from the top of the door to the bottom of it. It was scratching at the bottom of the door too, as if it were a dog. I was frozen in fear. All I could do was turn the TV up full blast and wake my mum. This time she did come down the stairs at full speed, ready to eat the head off me. To this day, neither of us could explain what had happened that night. It wasn't the first thing to happen, and it most certainly wasn't the last, but it was the most personified experience I've ever had, and it has stayed with me till this day. Who was behind the door, Lindsay? You will never know. I'm getting a bit carried away. Put me back down to ground there. Grab my legs. Frank, good morning. Good morning, how are things? I'm well. Now, just before The Shining was released, great film, Jack Nicholson. Pick up the story. What happened? Well, approximately two, about two weeks before The Shining, I, I started having this nightmare that I was inside yeah. an old building and I was walking down along the hall and I was being, next thing, there was someone came into the hall and I was being chased and I kept running to get away from him. But I got to the end of the hall and I couldn't get through the door. And next thing, this guy caught up with me with, with an axe and started to chop at me. Here's Johnny. And I'd wake up screaming every every time. I'd wake up screaming, and it happened a few times before the film actually came out. And I had heard nothing about the film, like no details. And you hadn't like read that. the book or anything, no? No, 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 absolutely nothing. So I said, when the film came out, and a few few friends of ours came along with us and went to the, went to see the film, and we're sitting and watching it. And you know the scene where Jack Nicholson loses the plot and he chases the caretaker with an axe down the hall. And he kills the caretaker, but it happens that the caretaker's surname was Mr. O'Halloran, which is my surname. So, that's <laughs> my... <laughs> Wait a second. Was the caretaker's surname O'Halloran? Yes. Yes, he was He was a colour guy. Um, it was, uh, I don't know if that's politically correct, but he, he um, chased him down, down the hall and he killed him at the end of the hall. He was a Mr. O'Halloran. <laughs> Freaky. Oh. You, were, you had the dream before it and your name's O'Halloran and then he goes and yeah. does it. Oh my God. Absolutely. So, like, I and when I saw that scene then happening, like I said to my friends, "Oh my God, that's my dream. That's my dream," and I couldn't believe it. Like, I just, I was just stunned. What but, do you put um, that down to? Sheer coincidence, or bad luck, or what? Like, I don't know. I just think maybe, maybe there's a bit of psychic or something going on there, or something. I don't know with the film coming out and so forth and that. But I had, I'd heard no details of any of anyone in the film or what. Great movie though, isn't that a great movie? Have they made a second Shining? Wasn't there a sequel to to that or something? I, I think so, but there was nothing to compare with Jack Nicholson in, in the original one. It was fantastic. Even to this day, you know, if if somebody wants to watch a movie for the Halloween weekend, would that be the one for you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Scare, scared to live in daylight, so yeah. Um, that's one story, Neil. And just just briefly, then there was one other story. I I live around Fermoy, and there, there's a castle, Kilworth Castle, is about three miles away from Fermoy. So as teenagers, we went out there, three or four of us, with a dog, and just walking around the place outside. And next thing, it started to rain quite heavily. So we said we'd go into the castle for a bit of shelter. 
and we were bringing the dog with us but he, no way would he come into the, in the door of the castle he just kept digging his heels in and dogs are like in. that yeah they're like that they sense things you don't see absolutely we got him up a few steps to the stairs anyway and it's a big spiral stairway and he just broke off the lead and he ran outside so we said look he'll come back in again he'll follow us we'll keep going up but as we were going up the stairs then we could hear this kind of boom 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 come down towards us you know like something heavy coming down the stairs towards us and we stuck to the to the ground and next thing um, we saw this light coming around the corner it was a blue light kind of in, in the shape kind of like a shield coming around the corner ah uh, go away you think you think swear no no there was, there was three of us there and we saw it and we think it might have been a shaft of light coming through no nothing no no no, no. three of us saw it we, we, three of us heard the noise the pounding three of us saw the light as a result we ran out the door of the castle and one of our friends kept running towards the river to get away from, from this thing and yeah she was actually going to the river but we, we just caught him in time but that happened then but in years years after that then I discovered that uh, on, in that very castle on the 3rd of June in 1643 there was a Sir, Sir Charles Vavasor I think his name was with the British Army they marched on the castle and there was a Condon family living in the castle at the time and they took the family out of 20 men there was 11 women and 7 children they took them outside outside the door of the castle and they were each slaughtered outside with pistols and swords all that family so I said, oh my God, if we knew back then that story, we wouldn't have gone near the castle. You're so yeah. lucky, you know, to have an experience like that. Do you do you think yourself lucky? I, I do. Uh, ah, I, one more briefly at home, when I, I was at home one night, and back in, I'd say it was around 11 or 12, and above in the bedroom, and there was my brother and myself, and the light was off in the hall, and next thing I heard, kind of like crying and whinging in the hallway, and the... Um, I, I, I was awake my brother wasn't awake like, but I tried to call him and I couldn't I, I just couldn't speak with the fright and it kept going on going on and then I picked up a shoe and I fired it over to my brother and he woke up and he said what's wrong what's wrong I said you hear that you hear that and he couldn't hear it he said no 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 so I got up and I in a fright and I was so scared I asked him to keep an eye on me going out the hallway I was going to my parents room woke my parents and they said get back to bed you're only dreaming get back to bed next morning my mum she called me at breakfast she said come here a minute she said don't say a word to any of the lads about what you heard last night I said how do you mean she said Mrs O'Connor died three doors down and we were O'Hallorans as well so it was the actual banshee I think that night that she died I heard it the again banshee the comes to the O's and the mocks yep. I heard be it sure that the banshee isn't being convi- con- confused with a screeching cat or a oh, no, or, no, no. or a screeching like an old lady yeah but it could be a fox as well though couldn't it no, not out in the front hall this was upstairs in the hallway like it was right outside my door and it was you just get a chill force to hear standing up in the back of your head when I had here and what you call it the um, you right. know there was something there and then you'd hear the whinging the crying and kind of wing and all that like it was just absolutely frightening lovely talking to you I'm going to keep on moving because I'm going to use the time as wisely as I can and uh, we covered a lot of ground there with three different stories thank you Frank Karen good morning hi Neil how are you is this like my imaginary friend you don't know to be honest about it. we thought so at the time but uh, not quite sure to be honest about it so it was a small child who didn't actually have an imaginary friend it was a no, real friend from another world yeah. and another time maybe so we never know because you know he never really told us so we'd never really know so it was literally my brother he had um, he was down syndrome and he went to school and mum and dad would constantly ask him about friends and it, they were quite small classes so they knew all the friends in his class they knew them all by name so one day he came home mum was asking him about 
you know, who are you sitting next to today? And he said, Merlene. Someone said, oh, is that a new girl? And he said, no. So she said, oh, maybe it was, you know, classroom assistant or something. And um, he said, no. So she said, well, who is she? And he said, my friend. So it went on for a few weeks and he'd constantly mention Marilene but never put a title to her that she wasn't a helper she wasn't a school friend just that she was his friend so mum collected him one day early for the dentist and she happened to mention to the teacher that he was getting on very well with friend Marilene and the teacher looked blankly at her and said you know there isn't anybody here by that name and mum said oh maybe because they stayed in for their lunch she said maybe it's somebody in the canteen and they said no we're always notified because he had Down syndrome and you know children with Down syndrome don't like change and stuff yeah they love their routine they have their own special routines yeah yeah, so she said we'd always be notified of new staff so that we could prepare the children for that. So she said, no, there is nobody here. She said, look, I'll check it out and I'll come back to you. So a few days later, mum was back at the school because Pat had a bad heart and she was collecting for his heart appointment. And the teacher said to her, no, there is nobody here by the name of Marlene. I've checked it out. So... He, the friend went on for a few months where he was mentioning her from time to time. And then one day, I just happened to mention him um, he was saying that he was cooking and I said oh was Marlene your partner and he said no she's gone and I said gone where and he said no she just left so okay mom just looked and said oh okay so nobody ever mentioned he was about 10 at the time nobody ever mentioned Marlene totally out of character of him to actually have an imaginary friend he wasn't that type to make up stuff so but we put it down to the fact that she was an imaginary friend and left it at that so about 12, 14 years later, I got married and had a little girl. And when she turned three, she suffered from asthma. So she got an attack and ended up in hospital and stayed with her for the two or three days, only leaving to go to the loo. And there was only her family who came in to visit her. So about a week after she came out of hospital, we happened to be driving past the hospital and she said, oh, look, mommy, that's where I was when I was sick. So I said, yeah, yeah, you know, that's where you were, but you're all better now. And she said, um, yeah, and Gran came to see me and, you know, Uncle Pat came to see me. And then she said, on Pat's friend, Merlene came to visit me. And the hair just stood up at the back of my head because nobody had ever mentioned her. You had never she told your daughter anything about no. Merlene. No, she was only three at the time, so you wouldn't go telling her something like that for fear she'd make up an imaginary friend herself. So she so, said that Merlene visited her, this is years after your brother had yeah. Merlene with him. Yeah. Who's yeah. Merlene? you got to find out who I Merlene just, is. Yeah, I just said to her, and was she a nurse? And she said, no. And I said, was she a doctor? And she said, no, mum, she was Pat's friend. And I said, how do you know she was Pat's friend? And she said, because she told me. She said, I'm Marilene, I'm Pat's friend. Tell him I said hello. So, you know, we'll never know who this Marilene actually was. Like, it would be fine. And did she say that Marilene was another young girl, a woman, how she was dressed, what kind of clothing? I asked her, I said, how old was Marilene? And she said, "Um, oh, the same age as you, which I would have been about 25 at the time. And she said, "Um, the same age as you. And I said, did she have the nurse's uniform on her? And she said, no, mommy, she wasn't a nurse. She just came to visit me. So, and, and you know I went home and said it to my brother and he said he just looked at me with this because nobody had ever mentioned I went home and I said to my mom I said you know tell Gran who came to see you when you were in hospital and my mom's eyes got rest she nearly popped out of her head and um, 
I went to my brother and I said, you'd never guess who came to visit Megan when she was in hospital. And he said, um, he just looked at me and I said, your friend, Merlene. And he looked at me with this half smirk, half smile and just nodded. As much as to say, you know, she was real. I didn't make her up. Told you so. <laughs> Told you yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, so, incredible. So Karen, we'll thank you so know. much. Listen, thanks for sharing that amazing story. Stay on hold. I want to get your uh, name and address details so we can organize a nice gift for you. Let me just remind you as well, we have uh, wonderful takeaway food hampers to give away from the Cork International Hotel and also takeout brunch for two at the Met also to take home to enjoy. We have Azure jewelry vouchers to give away and sets of Azure jewelry as well. And we have piping hot oak fire pizzas to do also for the ghostly stories that people are sharing with us by phone, by text and by email. And after the break, all that and lots more besides and also some more shout outs for Free Food Friday. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106 Red FM. Okay, I got them. I got them. They were in the wrong pile. So some more Free Food Friday shout outs for everybody. Healthcare 21 in Blarney. For all of the staff at Dermody Dental Practice on Evergreen Road who are listening this morning. Everybody DPD keeping the show on the road would love some pizza today. So with everybody uh, working for Panda Green Waste Management, particularly Shane Toomey. Morning. Martina Murphy, who's uh, going house to house caring for our elderly. She works as a home carer. All of the staff at Dunn Stores, Douglas Court, would love some food. They're working their butts off. I hope you're not selling any underwear now or bras or white shirts, huh? Or kids' shoes. <laughs> We shouldn't laugh. Nurture Child Care and Blackrock are also listening this morning. Musgraves, uh, Chill Drivers are also at work. Ashgrove Recycling and Churchfield are working. Hurley Centre and Bishoptown are listening. Apex Insurance on the Mall. Gate Child Care, Little Island. Everybody in the Ballancolly Community Centre who are working and helping homeless and young girls in need. Elite Valeting Mobile Service. Mobile, that sounds like fun. They go to you as opposed to you go to them. Um, Hopscotch Preschool in Rushbrook and Cove are listening. Happy 85th to Shawnee O'Callaghan. Somebody texted this morning. So you got two, you got two birthday requests this morning, Shawnee, in fairness. Yeah. Everybody at Seabridge and Little Island, AP Vaughan Recycling in Tawa, Dunamore Family Resource Centre, Peaky Barbers in Clonagh in uh, Knocknahini, HHS Hire and Tivoli are listening, Cork Distribution Little Island, just two or three more, SBGI in Blackpool, Carey's Tool Hire, and everybody, O'Leary O'Sullivan site in Blarney who are working, Mackesy's Contracts, and the finance team at Hobart. Morning to you all. So I'm not sure whether I'll get some more shout outs on. We'll see how we get on in the next few minutes. But I want to get one or two more calls on the air, if at all possible, including Mary. Good morning. Now we're talking about the sound of the banshee, Mary, are we? Yes, we are, Neil. Do you know what the banshee sounds like? Yes, I do. I would rather I didn't, but yes, I do. And can you can you can you make the sound of the banshee oh, no. for me? No, no, no. Ah, no, why no. not? No, absolutely not. No. I mean, I couldn't because, well, I tell you, even if I thought I could, I wouldn't because it would literally freeze the blood in your veins if you heard it. Uh, listen, it took you so long there to say why you wouldn't do it, Well, you just could have just gone on and did it. No, 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 no. Nothing, no, nothing. That just sounds like a siren. Nothing like. Uh, well, listen, I'm better than you. At least I made an effort. Well, you did. In fairness, you, you made an effort. I know. I am not going to do that. Go on. If you do it, I'll, I'll give you a, no. a hot piping pizza. No, thank you. Even for hot piping pizza, I'm not even going to try it. No. Because I know why no, you no, can't no. do it. You won't do it because you can't. Because literally I can't, and I don't want to. You're right there. I'm like, okay, I give, I give up. Go on, go on. Give up. 
<laughs> you, it is the most appalling, appalling noise you've ever heard in your life because it's about 30 years ago, I'd say, because my mum and myself, no, my husband and myself were living with my parents and we'd been out that evening and that was friends. My father was going off to bed in the back of the house. My husband was going off to bed in the room in the front of the house. And my mum and myself were chatting in the kitchen, as, as you do. That was grand. It was, no, it was late. It was about half eleven, quarter twelve, that kind of way. And my mum was standing with her back against the cabinet in the kitchen. She was facing the kitchen window. And I was sitting at the other side of the table. And this noise started. It was, now I'm sure it only lasted seconds. But when the noise started, it felt like it was starting at the side of the house and coming around. Now, we're an end of terrace house, and we're saying. It felt like it enveloped the house. And we just glanced at one another. Now, we couldn't say anything. Literally, you couldn't, you literally couldn't speak. And we just glanced at one another. And all my mother was afraid of, as she was facing the window, that something would appear at the window. Yeah, like a tomcat. No, sound, stop it now. You sound like my father now. That's what he said. So like two cats having sex sound no. like the banshee, apparently, I'm told. <laughs> now they're not even going to go there. Okay, fair enough. Move on. Right. Move on now. Move along. Move along. All right. Grand, grand. So anyway, that was fine. And when the noise stopped, your first reaction, no, before the noise stops, your first reaction is just run. Just, just get out of here. Just leave. And my mother was like, she said... She was like somebody that was literally stuck to the cabinet. She couldn't move. And I thought, okay, right. Now, we didn't we didn't know this until afterwards because we weren't speaking. And I thought, right, okay, get up out of here now. Run for the stairs. I couldn't move. I couldn't get off the chair. It was like every drop of blood in my body had gone down to my feet. And I couldn't move. So that was grand, I know. No, I stopped. Not one word out of us. Up the stairs. Right, okay, grand. Fine. And normally, like if I go into the bedroom to my husband or my mother goes to my father, we'd be yattering away still. Not a word out of either one of us. So eventually, when we did get our power of speech back, which has never left us since, thank God, and we were saying it to them, now, first of all, we had said, did you hear that? And they went, hear what? They had heard nothing. Not a single solitary sound had they heard. And you believe that you heard the sound of the banshee. Is your name Mock or O? <laughs> Funnily enough, there was a relative, uh, yeah, my maiden name was Max Feeney, and there was a relative of my father's had died that night in Glenville. Oh, right, so the banshee. Yeah, the only thing is, when my father, Godfrey Goodwin, was dying, and when his brother was dying, I was petrified. Absolutely petrified in case we hear this sound again. But I've never heard it since I... Now, my mother, God be good to her, died this year in April at 93, and she would... Actually, she said it. There was pre, a friend of ours here one night, a priest, and she said it to him, and she was saying, oh, he dismissed this now out of hand, you know? And he didn't. He said, I wouldn't dismiss it, he said, because there are... He said, this is only one realm. And she said, there are a lot of things... Going on, we said, oh, we can't. Okay, sound of the banshee. Lovely story. Well, not a lovely story, but beautifully told. Thanks, Mary. Joan. Hi, me. You're coming home from a night out in the Arcadia, was it? The Arcadia group, the group of us, and we walk home after. Yeah. And then we fizzle out who was living near 
eventually anywhere I was walking up in Fair Hill and for some reason I carried on with the girl I was with up to Liam Healy Road so she went anywhere in home and I said oh god look what I have to go on my own and I just turned around and it was the tallest figure I presume it looked, it looked to me as if it was a woman dressed in black she was about six or seven foot tall I said oh god get me home safe so I had to go down Fairfield Road crossed by Knock Pope where Farmery Church as you know well Neil yeah. and the girls school so, and I had to turn down left to Farm for Avenue then my, and you know how you keep kind of looking sideways over your shoulder and it was still, he was, she was still behind me all the way so we bought two or three houses from my own house and said, oh god please get me home safe I got in home anyway Neil oh, I looked around and she was gone two doors near to my house and I got in home I went out at size 12 and I came home at size 8 and that's the God's honest face <laughs> I never preferred so in all my life this was a, a 6 foot tall dressed in black woman yeah and I'm 4 foot 10 and a half and you, do, so, you, you don't believe that she was of this world like no? no no not at all she had no face just black down over from top to bottom yeah. And do you did you have a few my waddies on you or, or what like no 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 jeez we usually drink that time at all you're a very good boy <laughs> no, but, just, only 18. <laughs> but did you imagine it or was it real oh oh no I didn't imagine it Neil oh that I might leave this earth I'll go to the earth to the earth knowing this happened Maybe. I'll never forget it as long as I live you got an awful fright well, Friday is not even Lewis. I still have the beautiful figure today, Neil, as you can imagine. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. Uh, Neil, thanks a million. I can't believe I got a lovely present. Oh, did you get a lovely present? What did you get? What did you get? Um, earrings and a bracelet. Did you now? I'm delighted I'm for you. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, wear them well now, all right? I will, of course, Neil. I will, of course. Bye. And that is the true story. And he's I believe you. I believe every single one of you. <laughs> uh, mind you, not everybody does. Why is it only gullible people that are the ones that have these ghostly experience? And why do they never have any serious footage or audio to back it up? I'm an atheist living in a priest's old house that's hundreds of years old. There's been no word from him. Maybe this weekend he'll reach out. We rent a house. We rented a house before in Bishopstown, and I genuinely felt it was haunted. Uh, I would be in bed, and I hear someone walking across the landing, and it was creaking right beside my door. My grandmother used to dose me in holy water before going to bed in that house. Here's a little story of my own experience. I was very close to my nan, and on New Year's Eve, she would take us outside to listen to the church bells ring at midnight to ring in the new year and hold her hands. One November, she sadly passed away. We got to New Year's Eve, and minutes before midnight, there was a knock on the front door. I ran out. I was 15 at the time. And there, standing at the door, was my nan. With her coat and scarf, she stood smiling at me to collect me for the bell ringing. My heart was racing. I started to cry at the joy of seeing her again. The midnight bells rang out, and then she was gone. I went to a medium when I got older. I saw the most beautiful purple color around the room. And she told me a lady with a brown coat and a scarf, which was worn round her head, was always at my side. She was describing my nan, and I will always cherish this. 
Thank you, Linda. Beautiful story. Lucky you. Anthony says, I regularly have a presence in my bedroom. It could be up to three or four times a week. She sits at the end of my bed and never speaks. I live in an old Victorian house and I find it very comforting. Despite people telling me I should have the house blessed. I won't. I like it this way. This is Anthony. Jez, I'd love to stay overnight there to see this Victorian woman sitting at the end of your bed. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Our lines will stay open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. I wish I had more time. Thank you to uh, the Shake uh, the Shake Shack, isn't it? On Oliver Plunkett Street. The Shack. They sent us down uh, some beautiful donuts this morning. And they also... They also sent us something that everybody should have over Halloween, and that is a, a toffee apple, or as we call them, a candy apple. I used to eat them in Blackpool years ago. Here it is. This is me eating one of them. So this should have a crispy shell. <coughs> See you next week. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.